to What Are You Doing Movie Archives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Down in Front. Our movie this week is A Few Good Men. Did you order this movie? Did you order this movie? Actually, I did. Pop in your DVD or blurry press play, press pause, when the Columbia logo fades to black, the first frame you perceive of all black, press pause. And in a second, I'll say three, two, one, on pause, at which point I'll press play, you'll press play, and we'll watch the movie together in perfect sync. It'll be like any other commentary, except, of course, with four friends in your head. Those friends this week are myself, as always, T. Christie, my friend Brian William Fenifter. Greetings. Eddie Ho! Dodie. I don't know what that was. I was trying to do something <laughs> military-ish. Well, just make a guttural sound in, in my face. Yeah. Okay. yeah, like they do that in the works. army when they say, <laughs> Trey the Amazing Stokes. Hi. Uh, <laughs> a Few Good Men. It was written by Aaron Sorkin. It was originally a stage play. Whatever um, happened to that guy? Aaron Sorkin, man. For those of you who don't play the home game, Sports Night, then West Wing, then Studio 60, then The Social Network. Bunch of movies in between. Plus Charlie's, Charlie Wilson's War. And War. And so He's uh, the American West president. Wing. He is one of my, and indeed many people's, favorite screen and stage writers. Um, I put him and Joss Whedon on about the same plane for slightly different skill sets. Aaron Sorkin is a king of banter. One of his weaknesses is that all of his characters have the tendency to sound the same, whereas Joss doesn't quite have that problem um, because he'll build such a you know lavish lexicon that everyone can have their own thing inside of it. Whereas Aaron Sorkin is clearly just a powerhouse smart guy laying it all out there for you. Uh, so he's basically, we always say that a, a movie is a, a series of contrivances to tell a story or a series of working parts that just make a machine that tells this one story. Uh, Aaron Sorkin is basically, he's every single nut and bolt of that. And he, they're, they're all the exact same nut and bolt. And you put them in a pile, and all of a sudden, a story comes out of it. I feel like I've drifted off the path of making sense. Good night, everybody. No, no, uh, I, think, I, think, I think you're onto something there. I have no, no I think, idea. I think, I think you're, you're right, yeah. I, th- I think you're in the ballpark. Uh, it's a... Uh, I, Sorkin is amazing, and Sorkin is definitely very, very laudable. But he is, if you if you think of a story or a script and as a as a machine, as an artificial construction that you know somebody has to put together with very exacting, you know, standards to a very exacting blueprint. Sorkin is very much the, the master of that, and you can you can see just <clears throat> all of his scripts have this very like uh, Swiss watch kind of kind of identity to them. Thank you. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. It's very... It's very Thank you, you for know. making it more obvious to the idiots, Yes, though. because a pile of bolts is exactly like a Swiss watch. That's what you were going for. <laughs> well, a story is, is very mechanical, and Sorkin is absolutely one of the masters of the mechanics of telling a story. And um, every character is like a cog. Yeah, every character and yeah. every... every uh, well, like I said. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, I love this go. movie. I, I grew up with this movie in, in some ways. At least I saw it very early on. It's from 1992, which is only about two months older than I am. And... Um, I've had it my entire life. It's so wrong. It's very consistent. I'm, I was born in '87, oh, okay. so I'm not that. I'm not that that young. It's great. I love this movie. It's great for Kevin Bacon, and it's great for Aaron Sorkin, and it's one of the uh, one of the Tom Cruise roles that you can watch and no one will question you, which I think is because there's such powerhouse performances across the board. Brian, yeah. Well, uh, as we were just saying, it's I, this in terms of the mechanics and in terms of this story and this the script and, and this everything is is just set up perfectly and dramatically and beautifully uh it's one of the finest examples there there is i think um if i were to attribute any kind of weakness to to sorkin it would be the sense that you can always see the man behind the curtain when when sorkin <laughs> is telling a story it, when you look at these characters and you look at the story you go yep that's sorkin and he's firing <laughs> on all cylinders which is great it's a lot of fun to watch but it's it's very different from say something like the wire which i'm in the process of watching now thanks to trey's <laughs> you're welcome trey's recommendation <laughs> uh where it's it was it, passed on to me. I passed it on to you. Uh, it's very much like the ring, the videotape from the ring. But uh, <laughs> it is. Uh, it's like the, It's also an excellently told story. But in this, it's 
a little more real feeling than something like, than a lot of what what Sorkin does. Which is not to say it's this is stagey, stagey, yeah. And yeah. contrived. I mean, contrived would be the pejorative way of, of saying that. But it's, he was waiting like, his whole career to write a movie about the guy who was so genius he invented Facebook. Because then, oh God, finally they can talk like this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, finally, excuse for people to talk because like well, they're exclusive and fun at, and lead to a better life. At least, at least That's when Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin. When Aaron Sorkin writes these stories, he picks characters that you could conceivably can think would would talk like this in real life. The West Wing probably being the greatest example. And sometimes he doesn't quite so much when he makes. Don't I don't say I don't, it. I don't think people at SNL talk like the people at the West Wing. I just don't think it works that way. Studio sixty is a great show. It's a it's an okay show. <laughs> Eddie, how do you feel about a few good men? Uh, you know, I th- my my few good men. Yes, yes. Uh, this movie came out uh, at a at a really cool time when I was I was in RTC in high school and I was just really oh. and I, I, oh. yeah oh. and I well it was Air Force so it's like hoo ya or yay or whatever yeah we uh, yeah Sparta. Exactly. we I can fly that's that's what they say is the air conditioning um, working guys pretty much yeah <laughs> I'm not 7 going seven a.m. Oh. Yeah. you know uh, so so for me it was uh, and I was captain of the color guard uh, so the opening ah, sequence and I'll, I'll, I'll speak oh, a little so, bit on okay. that. But um, but I would I would make in terms of Sorkin I would make a distinction without a disagreement. I don't think he makes characters that talk a certain way in our world. I think he creates a world in which everyone in the world talks like that. Yeah. And, I, and I'm okay with that uh, because the thing is is that everybody it's a lovely world to visit. It really yeah. is. It, like wow, everybody, wish it was our everybody's world. everybody's uh, intelligent and reasonable. Everybody um, in this world is as smart as Aaron Sorkin. In yeah. Sorkin yeah. world, I would have prepared my thoughts before down in front, and not sounded like a moron today. <laughs> I know. No, that's that's and that's and that, those are great worlds to visit. Whereas, uh, yeah, I mean, compared to other writers you feel like you know the wire it's, there is no comparison but this is sort of a, a a world in which everybody is articulate and speaks mile a minute and can have witty retorts and and builds off of one another but but dun, but dun, i'm all right with that da, da, i would da. also say as much as we are going to slobber all over uh aaron sorkin for the rest of his commentary i think it's worth noting rob reiner did direct this movie and he did he does a very who's ser- that i've never heard of him he does yeah. a very <laughs> serviceable he's, he's workman, underground you wouldn't know. workman-like job of, of bringing this to life and you know this i was thinking about it the other day how many movies ad- you can tell i mean this is definitely adapted from a stage play because there's no major chase scenes or set pieces yeah the movie is people in rooms talking but it works and rob reiner is a big reason why i think that is able to work he deserves a lot of credit in sort of staging this and i and i i do think this is sort of important in aaron sorkin's development and as a as a screenwriter seeing sort of how his words translate and i i just i think it's a good combination but how many how many movies have we had in the last 10 years where it's People in a room, in a series of rooms, talking, and yet you're engaged and you're involved all along the way, and the drama is real. Aaron Sorkin has written most of them. There's three, that's, and Aaron that's Sorkin what I'm saying. Them. And he writes them all, and he's and this, this, this Charlie is Charlie Wilson's war and, and the social network. Charlie Wilson's war, and, and I think, and I think, it's, I think it's, I think it's worth noting that you know we're it's if you want an adult, not porn, but if you want like drama for adults, that's entertaining. This is sort of his wheelhouse, and this is sort of what you know uh, where you can go with that. And it's a great movie. I have a lot of affinity for it. I think the performances are great all around, and uh, I'm 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 happy to watch it again. Trey Stooks. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that this was the movie that transitioned Sorkin from he's a guy who writes film, a, yeah. you know award winning right. stage plays yeah. to yeah you should do movies and so you the know. the options for this were bought before the play premiered or yeah. the, the movie rights because he was I think he was a, already established as a playwright you know yeah. and mm-hmm. had that had that voice going already so yeah everybody in a Sorkin story 
talks like Aaron Sorkin, and and uh, I think someone uh, someone once characterized the West Wing as like you wish the people who were running our government were those people. Yeah, you know, it's like you only wish they were that smart. It would be really West great. Wing is an entirely different kind of nerd porn, but it's totally nerd porn. Yeah, it's politics nerd porn. One of the things, oh, that's, yeah. oh, their the conversations things, are yeah. so elevated. One of the things that's so great about <laughs> Sorkin, what I like, is even though you know the West Wing certainly was a a leftward leaning show, uh, they were pretty good about presenting the opposing mm-hmm. viewpoints, and this movie does too. I mean, yeah. this movie, this movie is like you you know what Nicholson's character is talking about. It's like, well, yeah. he's not wrong about what he's talking about and and so it does come down to well you know would you, these these are these are the truths you know that's one of the things Sorkin's likes to do is like look here's here's something with no easy answer mm-hmm. let's discuss this and let's examine it um the west wing of course was famous for that um and here you can see him he's doing that here and it's uh it's, it's interesting how it, it still obviously maintains its stage roots but it, uh, for whatever reason the courtroom drama tends to translate okay to film we have a kind of a tradition of courtroom dramas in film that that work so for whatever reason, even though there's no car chases in this one, this one you know worked out all right. I think the uniforms help because I was watching Kane Mutiny the other night, and and there's you can kind of draw a through line in a lot of ways in some in some of the courtroom stuff between that movie and this. And and for whatever reason, military trials seem just more dramatic. It just and, heightens yeah, it just exactly. that much more. Yeah. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know. And in the chat room, Doctor Submarine will be troping for us today. Sweet, thanks. Along Dr. with Sub. probably other chat room people as we go. You on. can't handle the trope. <laughs> that's, okay. I would bet you that's a trope. Yeah. Oh, oh you know that's a trope. <laughs> anyway, Let's look it up right now. You're at the point where the Columbia logo has faded to black as I am here. Put your finger on that button. Ready to go? Three, two, one. Unpause. Anyway, you Tom want Cru- that finger on that button. You need that finger mm-hmm. on that button. So Tom Cruise is batshit crazy. Let's just get that out of the way. Anyway, I like Tom Cruise. Uh, we've done Tom I Cruise do. movies before, and, and the, what I've always said is he, he strikes me as a War of the Worlds. War of the Worlds. Yeah. He strikes me as a serious professional he's 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 a really good actor who unfortunately we know too much about his personal life that's right and and had this been 1955 it would like we would know nothing about (laughs) it and it would just be you know it'd be whatever it'd be like the insane crazy gay coke parties that they had secretly in the underground and (laughs) did we ever aeroflane and rock hudson oh good times and yeah yeah um I will say he does shoot the shit out of Cuba. Uh, I, I do. I do. It's not. It's not particularly glamorous because. Have you ever been? It's Cuba. Have, have you no, been to Guantanamo? No, no, no. I've, I've no, never, never, never been there. But I will say, you know, just I mean, from seeing photos and things like that, he makes it look kind of nice. I want to go to Guantanamo. The- <laughs> in in, uh, in what thing, capacity? In a, as, as a nuclear nuclear fuck. I screwed up the wrong <laughs> yeah. way to say it. One thing we should note: uh, nuclear. Mark Shaman the, uh, does the music for this. That's by the way the only thing that dates this movie. Mark Shaman? Uh, well, not necessarily him, but the music itself. You it's, so? sort of, it's sort of the beginning of Law and Order synth it, it, plunky. Well, that by way of by way of Frank Capra, like it's got some really soaring sort of high notes. I, well, yeah, but a grainy. couple times he also uses the remember the like late '80s keyboard patch that was the entire orchestra at once. Prum! Yeah, the, like the, the real TV. Prum, 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 the, the, the Phil Spector button. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and that happens a couple of times. It's. Um, uh, something, another thing, uh, Tom Cruise, The Firm. It also happens in The Firm. That's a mm. modern-feeling movie with, like, the 80th score you've ever heard in your life. So the white dude and the dude getting code-rated right now were both uh, stars in another movie called Gladiator, uh, which was a very <laughs> Not schlocky, the Russell Crowe one. Not the Russell Crowe one, but, like, a, a underground fighting one with Brian Dennehy. Um, and Brian Dennehy. The, the, I forget the blonde kid's name, but he was 
they were grooming him to be a, a guy. Like he was supposed yeah, to be he, a thing, and he, he never quite did took a couple off. things. Yeah, and you're like, now, Eddie Doty. Yes, sir. In your experience with the military, are you familiar with the uh, happenstance of code reds and how familiar yeah, and how likely they are? It's uh, it's it's sort of one of those things of the snake eating the tail because I was in the uh, I was in the military after this movie came out. So yeah. <laughs> so when when a discussion was came up about code red, we absolutely used the term code red. Now I can't speak truth to power on that. I can say my mom in '82 uh, performed a couple. Um, when really? she was, yeah, when she was in, uh, but that was just, I mean, was it, was it like a, time. like a blanket party type thing or? Yeah. It was, well, I mean, it was, it was a thing. It was, it was that. And it was, uh, there was, I mean, I don't, without going into too much detail really quick, uh, before we get into this, we're about to go to these gentlemen here, um, that are dressed as Marines. These are actually not real Marines. This is the, they trained the, these guys up for this. This is the Texas A&M, uh, Marine ROTC, uh, drill team. And they are the champion or at least at the time, they were the shit. They did some crazy, crazy routines. When I was captain of the drill team, I, w- I mean, we, we studied the first 15 minutes of the film. I think I've seen this sequence of the film no less than 100 times. It's because it's um, always in front of the film. Yeah, I mean, we and, and a lot of – and when I was competing against other RTC units, we completely – you saw a lot of these moves, a lot of the sequentials and a lot of this, uh, this halftime march that they're doing. Um, but a lot of the sequential sort of line stuff that they do, uh, that got cribbed for most of the 90s. Um, and then he after was, that, he was not justified off of that column. Well, you know, it's. Uh, I think. I think that they probably did that for the for the camera and whatnot. But this shit is all. There's nothing. There's no CG here. This is all just like real. These guys. <laughs> no have, way. You know, these beats. These. This is all. You know, real stuff. These. All the twirls. All the Queen Anne's. All the underslings. Like everything they're doing is. What's is, the Queen Anne? The Queen Anne is just a certain. It's a certain kind of rifle salute. So like right now they're going to left sh- or right shoulder arms, and then they're gonna. Yeah, that's a uh, that's an undersling. And then they're going to roll it up to right shoulder right again. Shoulder, yeah. They're going to go to port here. Um, yeah, that's totally a, out of that's sync a queen there. Anne. That's a queen Anne right there. And then they go back up to... The one where you drop to a knee? Yeah, when you drop to a knee and you come back down. But, I mean, and then there's... Uh, it's not port arms, but they're getting ready for present arms. It's just, I mean, it's just a really detailed routine. And I think it's a good way to sort of start the movie off. Like, it's just sort of... It, it's it's just it, show, it shows that the military does do arbitrary stupid things. Oh my sometimes. god, yes, drill and pop and, su- and pop Ar- and circumstances. Arbitrary ceremony. stupid okay. things to exacting exactly yeah. to, Im- to an impressive level. That was great, detail. guys. I just have one question: Why? You just want right. to walk up and go. Right. Uh, cool story, bro. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, the, between that and like saber core and all these other things that they do first, you know, it becomes a competition <laughs> thing. It also becomes just a you know. I've seen some crazy routines where you've had like four columns deep everybody's twirling and then two guys in the front and back like throw their rifles over the entire column and catch them and without looking and <laughs> with bayonets on with my hope no no not so much Aww. with the bayonets yeah we had, we had we had special ops as a, as a uh distinct uh, subgroup of of Razi when i was in college and they did they did a kind of a combination of they would run around and, and do the the wood special training stuff but they also did the drill team stuff right i like uh demi moore's character in this and in terms of like aaron sorkin david making... bow eddie's in this movie <laughs> i totally forgot david bow was in this i i thought i was gonna get when we decided not to do the patriot i thought i was gonna get away from eddie's in a movie um, <laughs> oh the fellow on the left fellow on the left is eddie yeah. Doty with glasses He's actually more Eddie Doty in UHF. It's me, like, <laughs> after 27, whereas Adam Baldwin is me when I'm, like, 22, uh, apparently. Wait till I, you I get a shot in his face with, I didn't Eddie Doty. I never came up with any of these, but, yeah, that's apparently let's, the thing. Let's see your face. So fuck you guys, Not man. From the side. <laughs> He's a handsome man. <laughs> He's balding, just well, like me. Fan. All right. Uh, I'd rather look like that guy. I'd rather look like the... Uh, with well, the mustache. Yeah, with the panhandle mustache. Yeah. mustache. Get that Dabney Coleman going. So right off the bat, I mean Sorkin kind of punishes you if you don't pay attention to this part here because if you if you're not on if you're not clear with exactly what's happening here, you're kind of going to be, you know, lost for a little bit until they sort of and there's a bit later on where Tom Cruise 
goes on and he sort of describes the entire case and then he says i don't know what any of that means but it sounds pretty bad um <laughs> yeah and uh but but this this is sort of like sort of sorkin is sort of fucking known for this is sort of the equivalent of the uh making the face smash scene in social network he kind of has yeah, these yeah well, exactly. this is also like True. a well this is the info dump this is the exposition yeah, exactly. and so we, we've just gotten our, yeah. our little belloc sequence of yeah. there's something visually pretty to look at for a couple minutes yeah. and we've hooked you interestingly like facebook they're going to then go back in a courtroom kind of scenario and explain what you just saw in case you didn't really get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, okay, now break that down for me. When they did that, what did that mean exactly? So so they, if you didn't get it here, then they are going to do a whole trial to explain what they just talked about in this him, scene. Him and David Kelly are good for, like, those uh, those courtroom scenes where you can move the plot and refresh sort of where you are up until that point kind of simultaneously. But uh, obviously I prefer Sorkin. <laughs> And then, and he's kind of like that. That's a nice little toss away line to sort of fill in Demi Moore's character. Uh, you know, right when he says here, like he, oh. cut, he cuts him off and goes, "Yeah, yeah, it's all you know, all all brain and no you know street smarts or whatever." And and that sort of that kind of gives you who she is. That and her where she's rehearsing what she's going to say on the. She's way Hermione. Well, also, yeah. she is Hermione. That's a, <laughs> totally. that's a good comparison. Totally. Well, the the moment where she, you know he's like, "Why don't you get a cup of coffee?" He's like, "No, I'm good." No, no, you get a, <laughs> yeah, no, really, no. Leave the room so we can talk about you behind your back. Which is a way of saying leave the, leave the room so I can tell the audience about you. Yeah. So, whatever happened to me more? Oh, that's right. She married that guy. She married that guy. I, I got to say though, you know, her, good job, Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, <laughs> not 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 a horrible choice. It's so weird to see Saint Elmo's fire before her, you know, augmentation, because uh, <laughs> you know, go big or go home. That's that's sort of what Demi was trying to say there. Or have a baby. That works. No, she got crazy implants like around like eighty nine, I think. Yeah, should have just had the baby. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look who it is! It's right. It's hey, Kathy. and it's our first trope of the day. Doctor Shepherd points out there's a trope called um, mildly military, and a related <laughs> trope called military maverick, both which refer to someone in the military who's just not so damn military about right. it, mm. uh, which is a popular way to present military culture in the media. I think Tom Cruise was like the perfect casting at this age. Like if he tried to, he couldn't play this character now. Like he, you know, like he, this is the perfect age where he's got still a little bit of his youth and his precociousness and it it just lends itself to. He still has a little bit of the risky business quality. Exactly. Yeah. Which which you need for, for this character. The risky business aura hasn't quite faded away yet. Like he's still got a couple more years before, like far and away, I think was the last time that, that really kind of. (laughs) Sherby doesn't think the Navy hangs people from yard arms anymore. (laughs) (laughs) There's a, it's, it's not hang from a yard arm, but it's keel hauling. Have we talked about keel hauling before? When I read about keel we hauling should. years and years ago, yeah. I was blown away it's that horrifying. anybody would ever fucking do it's such horrifying. a thing to yeah. another human being. Yeah. It's where you would tie somebody. <laughs> Give me a code red instead. I'll take yes, that. Yes, I will take a code red over a keel hauling any day. Yeah. They would tie you. So imagine a, a, a sailing ship with the with the mast and the yard arms, kind of the cross brace. You would get tied to one end of those, and your feet would be tied off, and the the, the rope would be stretched under the ship, under the bottom of the ship, under around the, to the other side. Under the keel. Under the keel, and then attached <laughs> to the other end of the, the cross beam that you were tied to. And they would just pull you from one side to the other. It sucks. Scraping you across the bottom of the ship. You, you better hope the ship's been cleaned, otherwise it's going to have lots of barnacles. Lots of barnacles and muscles and yeah. God knows what else. Other dudes have been keel-hauled. Yeah, it was one of those... It was one of those Kind of a death penalty, depending on how yeah. it goes. Yeah, uh, and if you survive it, well done. Yeah, <laughs> then, then your debt has been repaid. Yes. Oh, thanks. Yeah, good. thank you. Beers on me today. It's kind of, I've, it's I've kind of like we're going to hang you badly and just see what happens. Yeah, you know, you might make it, you might not. Kevin Pollock, man, he. Like, I have some things to say about Kevin Pollock. If but... there's a guy who needs to work more, it's it's Kevin Pollock. <laughs> really, there's, there's a guy who can't work more. Really, he's, he's in everything. Because he's... I love him in this, and I love him in Usual Suspects. 
And but, I love him doing Christopher Walken. But I mean, like recently, yeah. like when was I mean, yeah. And, well, yeah. now he does. He, he, he has his talk show. show. He has his talk show now. Oh no, yeah. I, I'm, I love his podcast. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, saying, I'm not saying an overall exposure issue. I'm saying he needs to be like either supporting or even like I think he's ready for lead in something. You know, it's it's. Well, he has I, been I a lead you, in something. It, uh, there was the the one where he played the president, which was really uh, quite an interesting little low budget movie. I yeah. wish he would kind of get the same break that um, he's also uh, a Casino too. I remember. And uh, this. Paul Giamatti got you know. Yeah, Paul Giamatti took all the jobs. Yeah, but took he, all the leading man jobs that that uh, Kevin Pollak was on. Paul Giamatti's a bit more Kevin schlubby, pa- and yeah. I was I was found Kevin Pollak to be like a bit more articulate and witty, and kind of like a, a razor sharp wit. If he was a dwarf, he would be the perfect Tyrion um, <laughs> uh, for our Game of Thrones fans. I just I think you know, I mean, not that Peter Dinklage. Well, he, he was a brownie. <laughs> he, he he was a brownie. I, yes, but I know I just, I think he's got a razor wit that he could you know that, that no one's really found a way to weaponize into a sort of a, a leading role. I Look, have the problem with uh, with Kevin Pollack that a lot of people have with Tom Cruise, which is basic, basically based on massive, massive overexposure, mm. uh, because his chat show, Kevin Pollack's chat show, is wonderful. Um, if if you like who he's interviewing, it's wonderful. You just have to skip over the 25 minutes of interminable – well, that's not that's an oxymoron – the interminable fucking beginning that usually lasts 25 minutes where he's just talking to the camera and mugging by himself right. while the guest sits there. So it'll be like Eddie Izzard is off camera at the table <laughs> while Kevin Pollack does his stupid fucking t-shirt sales pitch for 25 minutes. <laughs> It's got to pay the bills, man. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. That sounds a lot like well, William Shatner, actually. It's better than William Shatner's like odd-shaped Superman couch thing, where like they're kind of side. They're, they're like they're three inches. Face to face. It's a li- it's a little odd. Yeah, it's a little odd. <coughs> so again, you know, this is a this is this is a good example of how it's still stagey, but. It's you know you could you could sort of see the stage version play as you're watching. You this. totally can. It's like that scene that scene we just saw there that was done uh, with a table and a downlight, a strong downlight. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was stage left. Now we've yeah, we've cross right. lit up then, to uh, stage we, right we, now. The, the bring door, lights up on stage left. Right. The, now. the doorway is actually off off stage. We just we we come up with light on uh, on uh, Galloway and uh, and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> so it works great. There's something about the the military setting, like like you were saying, it's just the it's a. The the reality of, of the military is just a more regimented, uh, structured kind mm-hmm. of reality. Just as the way the also also a bit be. of also a bit of mystique because when you think of when you think of military, you think of fighting, war, bombs, battlefield. But you don't think like, oh yeah, there's for every one soldier fighting, there's probably about twenty doing shit behind doing desks paperwork and paperwork yeah. and yeah. Yeah. You know, there's bureaucracy. There's involved. a total bureaucracy. Oh, there's absolutely bureaucracy. I mean, my job was ammunition specialist, which sounds fucking awesome, but really, <laughs> it consisted of a lot of clipboards, some computer programs, and you know, enough training to make a bomb if I needed to. But like, I mean, day in and day out, it was really just sort of bullet counting, and there was a process to it, and. Uh, and and you know I spent I spent more training time behind a desk at a computer than I did actually blowing things up. Um, but I blew up enough things where it's still fun. But um, but yeah, again, it's just that's part of what makes this sort of interesting is that you kind of get you kind of see oh, oh le- the legal system because the legal system in the military is different from they don't follow the same laws they follow the uniform code of military justice and it's a different set of laws. For instance, if you you know adultery is actually a punishable crime. Under yeah. the UCMJ, like yeah. if you cheat on your wife, you'll fucking go to jail. Like, I mean, it's you know, uh, and and if, uh, <laughs> which is not to say that people in the military don't cheat on their wives. Of course not. I'm just saying who gets who gets caught. You know, it's a yeah. uh, no. Certainly, but it it exists on paper where if they want to punish you, they they can. totally could. They could totally hit you up on that uh, desertion, punishable by death, usually without much to do. You know, it's 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 a different. <laughs> That's a pretty open insane. and shut case. You were supposed to be here and you weren't. A bomb Questions? fell where you were supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. You were not there. You were at the arcade. So mm-hmm. now you're, you know, 
and yeah. you're going to die. So uh, pretty clear on that one, unless you want to plea bargain it. Trey, what do you think about Demi Moore outside of her, you know? I think she's. I think she's good. She outside you know, of her clothes. I love. Yeah. Her. Huh. Yeah. Why, 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 why aren't we watching GI Jane or uh, or, stri- or strip tease? Um, I. I. She's one of those actresses that uh, you know. She was in the Brad Pack and kind of go. Well, that's just how that works. But then she became someone. You kind of went. Oh, okay. Like a decent proposal. Yeah. yeah. Um. Largely for me. Largely this movie where right. I was like, okay, yeah, all right. She's got it. She can do this thing. That's cool. She balances like she balances like a, a confidence, but also an insecurity that's just under the surface, you know, because uh, you can tell she's very much in control and she's eager to please and eager to do a good job. But like you can tell deep down, she's sort of, you know, like there are times when she feels she's out of her league. Yeah. And and that's that's a tough thing to do, especially with especially in like the confines of, you know. A, a dialogue heavy script i think in retrospect you know i didn't know who aaron sorkin was but you know sort of knowing what i would have thought of demi more then from her body of work at that point and knowing what i know of aaron sorkin now um we go demi Moore is going to do an aaron sorkin script i would go that's not going to go well because right, uh, right. i wouldn't have thought that she was up to it but she you know it's not everyone can get their mouth around a, a sorkin script i mean no, some people no. don't quite do it and uh, she she actually does uh, does it just just fine have you ever thought of a uh a bad casting choice in a Sorkin script movie? Like, was there someone that stands out? Like, I hmm. guess that's just, like, for the table. I'm TVN, think... TVN film? Oh, yeah. yeah either, either, one. Either, either one. Once in a while. Josh I... Molina all the time. <laughs> you don't think okay. you didn't buy Josh in no, West Wing? I, no, I love Josh. <laughs> yeah. I was, I'm, there are, I'm trying to think. I know there is an example I can think of where someone was in a Sorkin project and didn't, and didn't and work, couldn't yeah. Sorkin, yeah. you know, and couldn't quite Sorkin it. And I, I can't think of who that was, but I know I've seen it where it was one, once or twice where I'm like, oh... You you, yeah. <laughs> you can't handle the Sorkin to bring that trope back once again. I, I like this sequence because this is the least stagey of them. It's a sort of it's and it's a great ellipsis of time because all of a sudden we are you know the, the, we're reviewing a letter that he's writing while he's still alive and it transitions into um, it transitions into Jack Nicholson reading that, which is one layer of flashback. But we're still in a flashback because this all this occurs before his death. And there's no anything that there's nothing special or distinctive that got us into the sequence, but for some reason we just sort of accepted along the way, and it's sort of still easy to follow. Who the fuck is PFC William D. Santiago? Who the fuck is Kiefer Sutherland? Kiefer Sutherland, like something. Who the, who the fuck is J. His Walsh? character actually, yeah, his character, Kiefer's character actually kind of bothered me a bit because it just felt a bit too mustache twirly. It just felt like a little bit too. Um, I don't want to say. Well, I mean, I don't want to say one-dimensional, but of all the characters, he's probably the the least. You know, he has probably like the least amount of depth. He's just very single-minded, and yes, those people do exist. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, in the Marine like, Corps. especially in the Marine like, Corps, I, I have. I met don't them. have a problem knowing that the, those I've people met those are people real in the Air Force. Uh, the, I'm pretty sure no, they, they, it's interesting they, how they, it's they interesting just, how in drama you have to draw characters who are more real, more rounded than some real people are. And, that, and I guess that's the <laughs> yeah. problem is that because he does such a good job with everybody else, even though technically on on its surface, you know, uh, um, Kiefer's character is the most likely to actually exist in our world. Yeah, he stands out in a way as as a, a, a bit flat. He doesn't have another side like yeah, all these there, other characters. There's, there's no extra layer of depth. It's like nope, I like God, and that's it. And that's and that's. That's sort of all there is to him, and uh, you know he's a marine. He he follows King James Bible and and uh, and it's Marine Corps very, guy. Very, very God-like yeah. country. It's, it, he's so he's so on the nose that you kind of expect 
somehow to find out later that was a bit of an act, right? They, you know, that he was, you know, choosing to be that way, and he, you know, he, he just because that's the job or whatever, you know. But, uh, but apparently, no, he apparently he doesn't. Yeah, for well, someone to say I, I believe in the King James Bible, it's like it, it's maybe it's just the way Kiefer shades it. But yeah, you don't. It doesn't quite ring true. It's I, like exactly. that's, he's saying it because that's what he's expected to say was how right. I always interpreted it. But what is he really thinking? You know, I love well, it. It, it, it comes back to this Marine Corps and uh, I love mentality, this. I love this, I love this, this bit here. Giving the president on the phone, we're starting. Okay, yeah. later. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and Josh Molina's little cameo, but uh, yeah. you know that's that's the Marine Corps mentality. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yep. And yeah, he absolutely. has to, he has, has to actually order. he has to actually stop him. Yeah. Otherwise, otherwise he'd he go carry he it out. And, which, and the great thing is the second moment where he, where he calls him back in and says, "No, I was never mind. Forget it." <laughs> and it's there's no there's yeah, no, no like, surprise. There's yeah. no what the fuck, sir. Yeah. Okay, that was weird. Yes, sir. That's it. Okay. Yes, sir. Going about my day, <laughs> you know. Um, J.T. Walsh. Yeah, left us uh, too soon. Yeah, way too soon. I felt like he was on the verge of something big, like his own thing. I mean, I he, like... Well, he's another one of those guys that was in everything, you know. He's, definition of a character actor, you yeah. know, but like who, who was always good. You could bring in and he would, you know, just knock out of the park and whatever you needed him to do. But, yeah. But I, I like, I mean, Nicholson is still the most... I think Nicholson is more Nicholson in this movie than Cruz is Cruz. Like he, yeah. he actually retains more of like, oh yeah, that's very clearly Jack Nicholson. My uh, my friend uh, Mikey is the uh, manager of the uh, Repertory East Playhouse up in uh, Newhall, and uh, they put on the stage play version of this. And uh, it's interesting to see if you just read the page of the of the screen, of the stage play uh, of this. You you would if you were just reading that and this movie never came out you wouldn't necessarily think of Nicholson in this role like you would think of I don't know who but just Nicholson is not the first choice to sort of pop out of it uh, and aside from the intensity that Nicholson brings you wouldn't do it but then again if you if you were to think of this movie with anybody else but Nicholson in it, it you'd have a hard time yeah I don't know who else I mean I I can see what you're saying in the sense that you wouldn't you wouldn't put somebody with the kind of charisma with the kind of character that Nicholson has because mm-hmm. Nick- Nicholson always has had kind of a I don't want to say renegade but not th- th- going back to the you know, the true believer kind <laughs> of marine mentality yeah. I, uh, Nicholson's character Colonel Jessup is is very much a part of that mm-hmm. but Nicholson himself as an actor you you I don't, you wouldn't really connect that right away I don't right. Think. Now here, even even Nicholson's character is like, yeah, the Kendrick guy is a douchebag, but but he's <laughs> hell of a marine, he's a total cock, but he, <laughs> yeah, he's he's a, very good at what he does. Yeah, but welcome to the job. And that's <laughs> and that's and that's so true of just military life in general. It's just it, there's so many people you'd never fucking associate, but who you would you definitely would not want anyone else in a foxhole with you. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, know well, I mean? or in my case, I, those are the kind of guys I want in that foxhole. Without way me. over there, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. Like, you know, but, but but by the same token, you don't want me in the foxhole. Right. <laughs> I'm not the guy you want. I'm like, can't we just talk to those guys? Maybe we should just talk to them. What do you think? You know, it's like, no, I'm I'm not cut out for it, and I'm glad that we have. I'm I'm. Why are there no atheists in foxholes? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, funny you mention that. I think I was one of the few people who had a drill sergeant who was an atheist. Um, really? Nice. Yeah. Do you believe uh, in this Lord Jesus? No, sir. Yeah. Me neither. He was, awesome. he, was always, he was extraordinarily careful to hold his tongue. <laughs> but uh you know and he he would even say like if you you know he would say if, like if if you want services i i recommend them they are good for sort of coping with the stress but yeah. he was it was very cl- he made it very clear that he was an atheist and that's uh, it, it was it was kind of, and yeah, he was um he was a green beret combat diver he was in the raid on noriega like he 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 saw some shit he was a real dude and um 
fascinating guy and very well educated. Had two master's degrees and you know just for an E seven, which is he made E seven. Wow. He made E seven in nine years. Okay, for those of us. <laughs> Other than who aren't you two guys? E seven is a master's. Uh, master uh, sergeant. No, um, yeah, no? master sergeant. No, E eight is master sergeant. Sergeant first class is uh, is E seven. So there are lots of stripes on the sleeve. Yeah, it's, a it's lot like of, in Halo. It's, right? it's, uh, it's seven <laughs> chevrons on the arm. Wow. But but usually your average E seven. My father was an E eight after eighteen years. He made E seven. My drill sergeant made E seven in nine, uh, which is kind of extraordinary. That's 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 not too many of those. But uh, an interesting dude, and very sort of you know, it does take all sorts uh, in the military. Thank, thank goodness. And I would say that you know, that's I'm glad there's striations in the military. That that it's you know, not every branch is the Marines. I'm glad we have the Air Force who can sort of chill in air conditioned offices and and <laughs> and and change planes and and whatnot. And, and by the way, just for if anybody ever tells you that oh, pulls out that line that there are no atheists in foxholes, there is in fact in reality a support organization for atheists in the military mm-hmm. called Atheists and Foxholes. <laughs> I've had that line pulled on me. Kind of had, had to go with that name. Yeah, it's pretty horseshit. It's pretty much the thing. Well, yeah, and that's part of the, you know, that, that whole sort of, and uh, another one is uh, the army is having to now recognize Wiccans, which I love. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, they actually have to extend. Well, you know, even in Oklahoma, like when they offered church service or, you know, chaplain services to us, we had, we had the generic Christian one. We had a Catholic priest. We had an imam. In Oklahoma, and we had a Buddhist abbot. So, I mean, we we had pretty good... At what base was this? Uh, Fort Sill. Okay. Oklahoma. So, I mean, you know. And it's crazy because they all wear the religious emblem, the chaplain's zoo. Rel- so, yeah. you know, the Christians, you see the cross. Uh, Muslims, you see the sickle. And then Buddhists have the, the eight-pointed wheel, which is just kind of <laughs> crazy to see on a uniform. It's just sort of like, <laughs> <Whoa>. huh, okay. <laughs> huh. What, what, Learn what, something new. What military are we in exactly? And this it, it, this is some pretty damn Sorkin-y dialogue here. Yeah, so. very, very. I'm going to explain your entire character. I'm going to your Sorkin face. your ass pretty hard here. <laughs> I yes. read your file, so audience, get ready. You sit <laughs> yourself down because I'm going to Sorkin the crap out of you right I'm now. I'm going to tell you your life story and establish all your family relationships. Wow. So from here on out, we know exactly what your stakes are, mister. By the way, that's definitely sexual harassment. Absolutely. Well, yeah. To, to tell a superior officer that they're making you sexually aroused. Welcome to 92. Yeah. Well, yeah. Welcome, <laughs> well, to, pe- welcome to Tom Cruise's character because Tom Cruise is like, I don't. I mean, Tom Cruise's thing is like, yeah, I'm in the military, I guess. You well, know? He's, he's he doesn't need time. to. Well, and, and as as yeah. she just explained to him, let, he's just killing time until his service is up and he can yeah. start his own practice. Let's, and, let, and this actually is sort of important for context of character. Um, if you are, if you join the military just as an enlisted man, you join in, you go through your eight weeks of boot camp, and then if you're a Marine, an additional two weeks of uh, infantry training, and then God knows how long for your job skill. Now, if you want to be an officer, you can go into college, and you do ROTC, or you go to an academy. Uh, if you're lucky, you can be an enlisted man that becomes an officer, but officers go through a different training course. Now, if you are a chaplain, a doctor, or a lawyer, mm-hmm. like Kathy, you do something very, very different. If you are... if you are what's called a support officer support versus officer, a yeah. line officer. Versus, yeah, line officer is uh, things, you know, people in the field, in combat, or even like quartermaster supply, things like that. But if you that's, are a... That's an REMF, right? Yeah. If, if you, <laughs> See, if I know that one. There you go. If you're a support <laughs> officer, like like chaplain or lawyer, you go through a seven-week pseudo boot camp thing where they don't really yell at you. They just tell you, okay, you have to dress this way. Your uniform has to look like this. We're going to teach you how to march. You'll fire a gun maybe twice just to say you did. Uh, and it's it's not very stressful. It's just you know if you if you go through law school and then you get your you get your you pass the bar, you can join this. Seven weeks later, you're wearing an officer badge. 
And, and guys rank. who have gone through eight weeks of boot camp are saluting you. Are saluting you. Guys who have been through way, way worse than you have are now saluting you and calling you sir. And Why wasn't I informed about that? I, I oh, yeah, no, totally there's, there's ways that. to do that. I mean, and, and, is it too late? Do they take old guys? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I think 35 is the – well, nowadays with the military, with the, I, think, yeah. I think 70 is the, is the maximum okay. age. Okay, then cool. I'm going to check that out. I'm, I'm actually lying about that. Hey, you don't know. So this is socialist in the way. This yeah. is actually the first time we meet the characters of uh, uh, Downey and um, Dawson. Dawson. Dawson and Downey. Yeah. Now, did we say uh, the the strange history of how this particular actor came to be? I was I was looking up. He was a location scout. This is uh, Wolfgang Bodison uh, playing Dawson or Downey. Dawson, uh, Dawson is, is him. Is Dawson him. Downey yeah. is is uh, the is the pillowy white dude. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Dawson here was actually a location scout, and I guess Rob Reiner saw him and said, "You have the right look. You look like a marine," and screen tested. And uh, Hollywood. Yes. And never did anything again. Apparently. Well, uh, well he's, he's done a few other. Things. He's, he's done a few things. He's actually um, he was he is a student and is now a teacher at Playhouse. No right kidding. The street, oh, yeah. Okay. I've worked with, I've worked with him a couple. Well, of the times. irony of the fact that he he didn't study acting and became an actor. Now he teaches acting. Well, All I'm right. sure he studied step acting one. at some point. Yeah. Step, well, one, be, he, step one, lesson become one. An actor. Lesson one, be a location scout. Step, step one, <laughs> be in an Aaron Sorkin, type Rob Reiner movie. cast opposite step Tom two, Cruise. Yeah. Step two, learn to act. I, I will say that, this: he is he. I mean, he's a fucking young, you know, uh, on point marine. He's you know. Yeah, they remarked on you know the fact that yeah, he for for someone who you know was a non actor, it's like yeah, he did it. You know, the, you know the, right? Not to spoil the ending, but. To me, he doesn't quite land. There's an officer on deck. I'm with you. Um, yeah. That's a toughie. Um, I mean, that's and this movie does border into schmaltz sometimes, yeah. and it's it's you know, again Sorkin. Sorkin yeah. is not afraid to like you know give you that that tug the heartstring when he. But he's to. also not afraid to sort of end on hmm. You know, he's not afraid to like not. I mean, yes, in the West Wing, he definitely had some. What was it? Uh, Bartlett's reelection. It's it's just like it's just a soaring, triumphant moment, and it's you know yeah. Um, you know, uh, spoiler alert for the West Wing: he gets reelected. Yeah, um, but he but he also you know he'll, he'll also write a scene where you know the president's standing in a cathedral yelling at God. Right. You know? Yeah, like, and yeah, also like, and also an intern gets shot, and you know all this other shit. Yeah, make a big thing out of it. You know, it's like you know, you know drama. But so, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So I mean, he he's not afraid to pull the trigger in either direction. So it's just he ends on this super triumphant high note. So they also redefine code reds. I think to answer your earlier question, which I never actually answered. Huh. Um, yeah, I mean, it's I, I I don't know that code red was used service wide, like in all four branches. I I just you know it, I don't think it was anything. I think it was just born organically. Like this guy sucks. Let's kick his ass. You know, well, that's I think the it was, thing. It's like code red was a specific thing at a specific point in time. But the general concept of a code red, the fact of that what that is yeah, it's, has it, always existed and will always exist. It, it's frat boy, whatever ha- you call it. It's certainly frat boy hazing. It's it's oftentimes disgusting, but it's you know again, it's not an easily definable thing. It's it's usually it, there's there's a, a bit of brotherhood and care and sort of you know hey we we need you to fucking come on. It's just like sort of like shaking your friend out of it in a weird way. It's and and way too many times it goes too far and it's largely died out. It's uh it's not something that. I have a cousin who went through boot camp just a few years ago, and and uh, it's it's. I mean, nowadays anything past ninety eight when they really sort of calm the fuck down out of boot, the boot camp experience, um, it's not something that happens quite as often anymore, if if ever really. Not much need to. <laughs> just just hope they don't watch this movie. Like, Tonight's movie has a few good men. Oh fuck! You know it's weird. <laughs> Someone's uh, gonna get ideas. Here we go. My fourth day or fifth day in, like it was the day before we actually started boot camp officially. It was our last day of reception, so they're like, okay, as a treat. We'll, we're having a movie night. So they said you can watch a movie or you can go to your barracks and write letters. 
and the movie was Assassins with Antonio Banderas and, Sil- and <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. I got three minutes into it. I'm like, this, <laughs> I'd rather this, write letters. This is, this is punishment. This is, yeah. this is not actually. <laughs> Boy, is that not a good movie. Hey, look who it is. Kevin Bacon. Captain Bacon. Lieutenant Bacon. I've won many games six degrees of Kevin Bacon <laughs> yeah. off this movie. This, this is a real this is a real gold piece for the Kevin Bacon game. You this get, movie. You get a few different generations. You get you get you know Nicholson. You get Demi Moore off this. You get connection to the Brat Pack you, by and large. You get Kiefer Sutherland. In yeah, there, you, you get, get fucking you know a lot of mileage out of this one. T, is you're it? awfully quiet. Uh, I'm I'm considering leaving and going to the uh, urgent care center. Why was Mar? Either my back is falling apart, or I'm passing a kidney stone right now. Oh, oh! But I'm sort of in excruciating pain, so oh, shit. I'm just going to keep leaning back. And if I'm, if it doesn't feel better in 25 minutes, I'm going to go. Okay, I, right. I just uh, shotgunned like six ibuprofen, and we'll see what happens. Jesus, okay, okay then. It's happened before. <laughs> it's happened before. <laughs> well, it's been about uh, three years. Uh, you passed a kidney stone before? Twice before, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, right. Yeah. Okay. But well, very excruciating. Is it? Is it does it have anything to do with what uh, Eddie did to you last night? Oh Jesus Christ! Oh, no, I, no, I, I, did, no, I did nothing. No, to no, I'm messing around. I'm messing <laughs> around. I'm oh, firstly, let's. I'm sorry, some, but let's God, please, 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 yeah, but explain that. I I, hope. I demonstrated a choke on Teague last night. Oh, uh, but it was not. No, bad. So you did give him a code red. <laughs> oh, it's, uh, it was. It, it's been hurting for a few days. I okay. thought it was back right. pain. It just recently, like in the last half an hour, occurred to me that this is also how it felt when I was passing a kidney stone. Because first thing that happens with the kidney stone is it goes from your kidney to your bladder, which is a very small channel that a you know calcium meteor should not be passing through. So it, it's excruciating. Uh, passing it out your dick isn't as bad, but you will wake up one day with excruciating back pain that makes you want to vomit, and that's a kidney stone. And that's it's okay. Last time it didn't hurt for three days, and it's been hurting for a couple of days, and it just got worse. But we'll see. Hmm. Okay. Anyway, uh, so uh, Tom so Cruise's craft. Welcome to, a, welcome to a very special Tom, episode of Down in Front. Tom Cruise is a very charming individual, uh, <laughs> and Demi Moore is very attractive. I love this line where it's like, you got authorization for Aunt Jenny and great. We can have the trial in your uncle's barn. You know? <laughs> you got author- I love the way he's, like, he's, he's thinking about it. You got authorization from Aunt, Aunt Jenny. Jenny. Almost like that's a brilliant idea. Why didn't I think of that? So... I can sew the costumes. I, yeah. love, I love. It turns into the devil and Daniel Webster all of a sudden. <laughs> and gentle and, and Jenny has a barn. But it also it also it also provides sort of legal precedent and sort of a way to keep Demi Moore's character involved. It's a very nice sort of gradual way for them to keep her involved in every step of the uh, of, of the of the story. And a nice raising of the stakes because, of course, if Tom Cruise boots it. She shouldn't have done that. She's basically, right. you know, those guys could have gotten off with a lighter sentence, but you no, know, they're going to go to trial instead. Mm-hmm. It's like right. they might it's get the death You know, at, at this moment, at, at the beginning of the movie, Tom Cruise doesn't give a shit about the case at all, and the movie is about his growth from not giving a shit to giving a shit. Yeah. So it now, you know, her maneuvering has forced him to, you know, if he, if he still doesn't give a shit, then these guys are really screwed. So it's, it's raised the stakes. Well, and that's why, and, you know, that's what's good about that, that scene up front where he's, uh, you know, batting practice with a... Uh, uh, and he he's basically he's basically uh, dealing down a case while at batting practice and b- gets an insanely reduced sentence off of a crime for it. That that's good for establishing his character and sort of how he's going to approach this until the turn until the you know that's in a way that's him setting up the refusal of the call until he actually accepts you know when he when he get, enters the plea of not guilty. I'm just going to say that's a weird looking baby. I'm just going to that, that, that first close up of the baby, you know, the writer's going, oh my God, this is gold. Look at that kid. <laughs> I, I feel empowered now that I've had my own kid. I can just say, yeah, your baby's ugly. Like, that's, that's, <laughs> that, I feel very confident. There, in this. I was watching an episode of Mythbusters the other day, courtesy of our friend Seth Brower. Uh, gave me a, a bunch of uh, copies of Mythbusters. And there was one where they literally did take Perfectly candy. Perfectly legal and purchased. Yes. Uh-huh. Take candy from a baby. 
Um, they did a little. <laughs> oh, that, that I was the that myth. episode. Yeah, and yeah. Then one lady brought out her baby, and I was like, "Holy God, yeah. that that is hideous." <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Why are you letting that, that is, baby on a camera? That is into that is just intrinsically, empirically, an ugly baby. I'm sorry. Wow. We this, thing, <laughs> this thing was like hideous. The the night Rachel and I found out that she was pregnant, we watched Knocked Up, and there's a scene. <laughs> yeah. There's a scene where they're in at vet figures. There's a there's a scene where they're in the doctor's office waiting to see the gynecologist, and they cut around to the different babies, and the last baby they land on is the mo- is the ugliest withered crack baby. It doesn't look like a, a baby as it much looks like a thirty year old person with some horrible disease, like Island of Doctor Moreau kid. I mean, this baby looks horrible. And Rachel just shrieked. She's like, "Oh God, oh God, our baby better not look like that, <laughs> yeah, honey. Like, it's okay. It's, like, okay. it's all right. There's, you know, there's ten g- good looking babies in there. We have a good don't, chance. Don't worry, honey. You're, you're gonna love it because of the smell. It doesn't matter. You're gonna think it's pretty no matter. Your what. Your genes right. are gonna flip. They, they're just yeah. gonna, things are gonna fire. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Your entire existence is hardwired to love it when it comes out. This is a great moment. This is sort of like the seeds planning for his eventual turn, where he's like, he's starting to question. Wait a minute, not all this is adding up. Like. You know, he really wants to not give a shit, but he's too good of a guy to ignore sort of the facts that are in front yeah. of him. It's like, God damn it, I'm starting to care. Fuck. I know. What the fuck? I, I love how Washington, D.C. and Virginia here just looks like any town USA. Like, it's just these these autumn leaves and, you know. Say whatever. It doesn't say, look like this town. Say what you will about Washington, D.C., and there's plenty of things to say about it. It is right. gorgeous, gorgeous architecture there's, there. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful city. Parts of it. <laughs> Parts of it, yeah. Parts of it, true. Very true. As the wire demonstrates. I know, yeah, yeah, I, know that's Bal- I know that's Baltimore. I know that's a bit different. But, no, those are yeah. 14s. Excuse me. Yeah, those are 14s. Yeah. We're still still Navy. Remember that, son. Oh, yeah. so. F-18s are Navy. That's right. Yeah, they, it's a 16. That's uh, Air Force One. Yeah. So. And Noah Wiley for Noah some Noah Wiley. Yeah. They're, they're okay. the F-18s. I'm actually friends with his brother, Eric Wiley, who uh, um, was a uh, professional and sort of semi-famous uh, inline skater in the early 90s around this time. It, in 1992, when this movie was made, Eric Wiley was actually more famous than Noah here. Um, and well, no- this is pre-ER. Pre-ER, I think there's like but only by a year. So. By by like, I think he was getting cast in ER like immediately after this. I think this is sort of what got his reel over and sort of an important character. Not not. I mean, you know, we see him again during the trial. And uh, yeah, he, well, he shows up here. He gives the info dump that we need, and then he he shows up later. That great sort of cross examination scene that we'll see later. And I, I love the fact that he hates boats. I love. <laughs> yeah, he's in the navy. And he hates boats. He hates boats. Now, one of the things that. Uh, we know a lot more about Guantanamo, or at least we know the word uh, now. because of recent history. But the whole concept of Guantanamo and the fact that we have a base there is bizarre. It's yeah. a really weird sort of it's 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 a result of the Cuban Missile Crisis and the idea that we we needed some we needed an American presence on Cuba to prevent World War Three, like that's, to prevent to prevent another Cuban Missile and, Crisis. Yeah, well, yeah, which which was which was a Nats ass away from World War Three. I mean, right. that was and that was the whole point. It was it was part of the negotiation that we got that, and people think Guantanamo. Unfortunately, now it's it's synonymous with torture. But I mean, it is a fully functioning military base that is just like any other military base in the world. Just even like sort of our antiquated bases in Germany and other parts of Europe, it's just sort of there. It's still sort of there. So when you hear people say they want to close Guantanamo, they don't want to actually close Guantanamo Bay. They just want to close the prisoner interrogation area of it. Right. That's yeah. you know, it's part of that. So it is. I mean, in, in, it's interesting that this movie does sort of show twenty, you know, 20 years before the fact. What what Guantanamo and why Guantanamo is what it is now because it is this bizarre little enclave uh-huh. that that's does, just know, that's, disconnected from everything. Yeah, that else. has so no on, it has yeah. no analog anywhere else in the world. It's yeah. like we're we're totally alone. If a shit goes down, we have to. You know, we're this little piece of Cuba where if the you know that's whole... still technically American soil. Like yeah. I mean, if you're if if you're born on the 
Marine Corps or base on Guantanamo yeah, you, Bay, born Cuba. Born in Cuba, you're an American. You're technically an American citizen. You could run for president and all that shit. That's John McCain. People forget yeah, he was born in Panama. Born in Panama, same deal. So. But uh, you know this idea of like you know yes, this, this major communist nation, and we're just you know this little pack of matches here yeah. on the edge, and this uh, uh, little postage stamp on just right on the corner of the island. Yeah, and this and this and the idea of well, let's send our worst prisoners, you know, supposedly mm-hmm. worst prisoners there because it's we, away, away from fucking everything. Yeah, like it's, exactly. It's close enough to where we can get them if we need to, but it's away. It's ninety miles off the coast of uh, Florida. And this this movie, you know, it's like. Here's this movie talking about how when you have this culture that sort of is allowed to exist on its own and doesn't get a lot of oversight and is right. kind of told, you know, do what you got to do out there. We, and we know it's a hard job and we'll look the other way. That's, you know, well, what's going on in Guantanamo is the same kind of question. It's, it's like I think they're, you know, you can see how that could be so easily abused. It's the closest you know, thing to like – more than what it's supposed it's to be. A, it's, it's like a military frontier. It's like the frontier of the old, you know, like mm-hmm. it's it's like – it, it, they're sort of not lawless, but it's very much its own. And that's thing. Nicholson's whole point yeah. is, yeah. you know, you sent me out here to do this job mm-hmm. and then you question how I do it. You It'd know, be like that's, China. That's, that's the core of and his you, you don't want to know how I do it, but then yeah. when I do it in a way that you don't like, then you come down on and, me and that's, and that's bullshit. Guess what? He's right. He's, he's, I mean, he's no, absolutely he's right. He's absolutely right in everything he does. It's just a horrible situation that went wrong that nobody could have foreseen. Like, had this kid had you know had the rag not had he not had like this weird rare heart yeah. condition, he would have gotten code red. He got would have gotten his head shaved and probably would have cried. But that would have been it. We wouldn't have been seeing chunks of viscera on his pillow <laughs> yeah. as we're seeing now. And that will be important later. That's right. <laughs> this where he's, the, he's, he's going through the, 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 of the, the locker, yeah. the unpacked clothes. So uh, yeah. I do like, and, and I think what I was saying about Kiefer earlier is kind of expressed here. May I call you John? No, no, you may not. <laughs> I'm a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But the, again, there are people in the military that are like that. Sure. It's like there is no, there is no sugarcoating to a person's personality whatsoever. They are a dick, and because they have, they're wearing the particular uniform with the particular rank, and they have the particular position. Mm-hmm. They have every ability to be just complete, raw, unrefined dick. That mm-hmm. they want to be my 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 um, second drill sergeant because I have three drill sergeants my 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 second one my secondary one very much like this my you know, my, you know. my flight training officer at my version of boot camp my field training uh, wanted so much to be this man and was not he was actually <laughs> right. he was an air force he, his his uh, specialty was accounting. <laughs> when he wasn't training, when he wasn't a trainer, he was an accountant. I would love somebody would go, go up to that guy's ear and just whisper, you're in the Air Force. <laughs> and that's not a dispersion against the Air Force. They they absolutely have a role, but let's be real on what they are. It's I have no problem. I, you know, obviously, I was in the Air, in Air Force ROTC. I was on track to, to be in the Air Force for a certain period of time. I have no problem with the Air Force. My My only issue is with the people... In the Air Force, who think they're in the Marines? Exactly. Those are the worst, worst flavor of military personality possible. And in, and in context of this movie, one thing that's important to bring up: the Marines are technically a division of the Navy. Technically, there's only three right. branches: the military, Army, Air Force, uh, and Navy. And the Marines are a subunit of it. And the fact is, is that every Marine loves being a Marine and hates the fact that they're part of the Navy. <laughs> yeah. And that, that, yeah. is, that is present in sort of the, the yeah. collective psyche of the Marines. It's bummer that the ocean's right there in your name, guys. <laughs> right. kind of well, did you know that Marine is an acronym, right? It is now. It, it, it is well, now. Because Marine's no, been it, around for like five, six hundred yeah. years. Marine, yeah. no, no, Marine, Marine means you come from the ocean. That's, that's no, what no, it Marine means. is an acronym. It stands for My Ass Rides and Navy Equipment. That's, there you oh, go. There okay. you it's go. an old Navy that's, joke. That's right, yeah. 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 Well, and that's and, and Kiefer has a line. You know, Kendrick has a line about that earlier. You know, every time we need to go somewhere, you guys you always, guys always nice ride. not to give us a ride. Yeah, yeah. we just always that was that was I think since I 
when I saw this movie the first time, I was kind of like, oh, I, okay, I, I, yeah, that's what it's all about. I, I think, I, I think I, at the time, I don't think I was like clear, like why, you know, oh, Marine, I get, it. oh, it's because they, oh, oh. Right. I guess that makes kind of sense, doesn't it? Yeah, okay. We yeah. can't we kind of skipped over it, but they you know Nicholson provides a bit of info dump on Caffrey in the sense that his father was an actual Supreme Court justice and was was and, a civil rights lawyer, and a civil and a civil, civil rights, rights lawyer movement. as well. So it kind of gives like his this father background. Was Thurgood Marshall, that's weird. Right. It also it sets up sort of the father son overshadowing thing. It also sets up like sort of Caffrey's innate sense of social justice on top of the on you know that's sort of behind his immaturity. Yeah, because in a sense he's. What's going on underneath the surface is he's he wants to. It's it's a very typical uh, movie character of the man. The boy wants to live up to his father's memory and and fulfill the promise of what his mm-hmm. father was. And his father was a good man who fought for for true justice. Mm-hmm. And Tom Cruise is is <laughs> is, play, is play not, softball. Yeah, is not living up to that yet. And he's he's claiming to be okay with the fact that he's not living up to that and just enjoying playing softball. But we know deep down, really under the surface, he's really not. You know, there's, there's something to be said about a character who's never mentioned or who's, who you never actually see, who's not in the story actively, but whose presence is felt and sort of like the shadow that hangs over Tom Cruise. I think Game of Thrones does a great job of that in terms of all the backstory of all the characters that they they do that. that that's a craft unto itself is to make ta- a character that's relevant to the story in the sense that it informs the behavior of a character, but you never actually see that character. You never there's no flashbacks, there's no photos, there's nothing to inform it's 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 a it's like a half character or like a specter of a character, but it still matters. You know, I mean Caffrey's dad matters in in the context of Caffrey's behavior. And it's a device used all the time, but not not usually not, done not to good not, effect. Not done this well. Not to no. good effect. I'm I saying mean, like if this- I mean, think about all the movies where the the main male character is trying to live up to the memory or the promise of what their dad was mm-hmm. and trying to fulfill that. Fuck, it's it's Tom Cruise and Top Gun, right? The same same way, um, but it's not done this well normally. I'm out. All right, really good. Do a thing. I'm handing over Brian a script for what to say at the end and the oh beginning of the next oh, one. If I'm wow. out here. Okay. 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 I hope I'll be back in the middle of Real Genius. Bye, guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Best of luck. <laughs> Down in front first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> now we have to run these episodes back to back. Find out how it ends in the Real Genius. Now. <laughs> it's, like, it's, it's, it's a very special Down in yeah, Front. Very special. Wow, we're going to do the outro. Can we just skip to the outro right <laughs> now? Yeah, okay. <laughs> this has been Down in Front. Okay. So we have one of greats. Uh, other than his his one at the end, obviously this is probably my favorite uh, Jack Nicholson monologue in this movie, and I think the the most important one, where he, you know, you're, he's right here. He's saying this is who I am, and this is the real fight. Up right. until this movie, we've gotten inklings of of. Well, we'll just go a little bit further. We'll go just a little bit further, and because we know if we raise the stakes too fast on Tom Cruise, then mm-hmm. or on Cappy, then he's gonna he's gonna tap out. But this is where Nicholson is saying, this is what the fight is. If you really want to come up against me, this is what it's going to, going to entail. And for his character, that's all. what he's talking about is all that matters. Everything else is just details and window dressing that's sort of supplicant to this. You know, it's, it's just sort of it, all the shit about Santiago and who knew what. and all that, That's bullshit. Everything was done in the service of the greater good, which is how he, you know, that's central to his character. But again, right here... Cuba looks lovely. <laughs> it is. I'd Cuba, love to Cuba have breakfast a on, a, country. on a veranda in Cuba. It'd be lovely. Another, there's not too many good Cuba movies outside of I'm Cuba, which is um, you know Russian propaganda. But um, Godfather 2, there's a, a sort of an extended sequence oh, that yeah. take place in Cuba right around the time Was of it three? Two. Two. A fictionalized... Um, Was it shot in Cuba? Mm, um, no, I doubt it. No, no, no. Yeah. 
But the point is, is that the story takes place as Cuba is falling to the communists. So, because mm. before, I mean, that's that's a whole fascinating history there, is the sense that the Cuban government had no problem working with organized crime and didn't give a fuck where you got your money from. If you were going to invest in Cuba, they welcomed you there um, at the expense of its its own people, and that's sort of what fueled the you know the communist um, takeover there of, of Castro and all of his folks. So here's kind of the oh okay it's on now you know where Cruz is like you know forget about the father it's kind of like if I can take this guy down I would like to now yeah <laughs> I, I would like to kick this guy's ass just if, for if my was, own sense of satisfaction if it was possible but he still doesn't think it is possible but it's like this is where now he would like to it's a preview of the fight to come and Sorkin in particular is good at setting that up American president he does that well as well with the Richard Dreyfuss character and even in Social Network with the Winklevi um, you can tell. Very early on, I mean, outside of the you know the flash forwarding of the um, of the depositions, you still get a sense just in the flashback scenes um, that there's this is not going to end well in terms of relationship. I guess I should take over the chat room as well, huh? Okay, oh, yeah. yeah. Don't leave them hanging out there. Hi, everybody. <laughs> we have an empty microphone. Anyone can jump in at this point. I'm Teague. <laughs> Where's Teague? We're lost without Teague. All right. Remember, uh, we're looking for tropes. Dr. Submarine and everybody else. Yep. So lay lay them on us. <laughs> Is there one about baseball, watching baseball? I've come, for, I've, I've come for your tropes, Internet. Yes. Surrender your tropes. Well, you go to a commentary with the tropes you have. <laughs> Not the Not tropes the you may you want. want to have or, or wish to have. <laughs> I can't fucking... I still, to this day, cannot believe that man stood in front of... Oh, yeah. entire hangar full of military personnel <laughs> and said that. That's pretty, pretty How ridiculous. retarded do you have to be? <laughs> he obviously never saw this movie. Well, yeah, it's true. Yeah, exactly. He, he he clearly could handle the truth, though. That's important. So Joanne here has officially become co-counsel, sort of her completion of, um, like, okay, she's in it for the rest of the movie now. Like, I mean, outside of being Demi Moore, where you know she's going to be involved somehow, like, you know her character has a very specific reason for being there. She's not just internal affairs anymore. Yep. So Tom Cruise is like, okay, I'm screwed now. Now we've got to really do this. Now I'm really on board. Oh, God. He oh, is God. sort of discovering now what the audience already knows. The, audi- the audience already knows exactly the truth of this. This isn't a mystery. This isn't a, a thing where you have to figure out did he or didn't he. We know. We know early on from that flashback scene with the letter. Now you get a lot of mileage out of watching Tom prove it in open court, which is – Kind of like law. You may, you, I mean, the legal process itself is you know what happened, but it's up to you to prove it. And that's sort of the fun of this movie is watching him in the courtroom trying to prove to everybody what everybody already knows. So Dr. Submarine uh, brings up uh, the Knight Templar uh, trope, calling Colonel Jessup a Knight Templar, yeah. which is basically mm-hmm. where a, uh, a character is you know, doing what they think is right. Or you know, fighting for for positive values, uh, but takes that too far, takes that to extreme, and then becomes blinded by them, and then it becomes a ends justify the means kind of a thing, where mm-hmm. you know you you do the dark thing to protect the utopia, but you make but yourself along a monster. the process, yeah. What do you, what do you lose? Monster in the process, yeah. So they are good cop, bad copying them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because these guys, these guys don't like Tom Cruise because you know they know that he doesn't really give a shit about because them. He's, he's never in uniform. He's in uniform yeah. like five times. Exactly. Then, Every opportunity he has to not be in uniform, he's out of uniform. I have to say, when he is in uniform, his uniform still looks it's, wonderful. It's pretty, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's good in uniform. But man. but again, it's his character. But like his uniform is squared away. I'm saying you, he's squared away, but like I think. I can envision him taking a shit to the dry cleaner as opposed to at home with a can of starch and an ironing board. Yeah. You know what I mean? So then, then Demi Moore comes in with the mom like, just tell me what happened. 
Yeah. Just what happened. Just come on. Just well, I mean, she understands. She admires them. And she has genuine respect for them. Whereas Caffrey, it's not that he doesn't respect them. He's just like, eh, okay, cool. You know? Well, he's coming from a place of they killed a guy. You know, yeah. And, yeah. And, and well, no, no. I think that's Sam. Sam is coming from a place of Sam is yeah coming he, from a place. Killed, that, he's it, coming from a place to kill the guy, and and Demi is Demi is the bleeding heart, and and Cruz is in the middle. Yeah, you know, Cruz is Cruz is Cruz is Kirk, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, uh, Demi no, Moore is McCoy, is McCoy, and and Pollock is Spock, Spock which yeah. man, and, and that's why Triumvirate. That's why Triumvirates like that work because the audience can find themselves in one of those three. The audience, like, I mean, those three encompass sort of every range of opinion that one can have on these guys. And somewhere along the way, you can, even if you don't necessarily identify with all of them, you can identify with at least one of their opinions. Well, it's because, you know, on any, on any point of view, there's a spectrum from extreme one end, extreme left to extreme right. And so dramatically as a, just as a basic dramatic structure, you can go, okay, you have, you put one character all the way at this end and no, one yeah, character all the way at the yeah. end. And so then the drama, cause the drama is all about the question that you're asking. And having you know some amount of suspense as to what what that question is going to turn out to be, so you have one solid answer is uh, you know solid A and then a solid B and then you have a guy in the middle that could that could go either way, and hopefully you build suspense that way. Now this is also again the the weird world of the law in general, not just military law. But here's these two guys who are buddies. One of them is going to prosecute the case, and the other guy is going to be the defense on the case, and, yeah. the, and they're, they're just going, dude. You you know it's like yeah we're we're talking in the hallway now but you know I'm gonna have to come after your guys yeah. Yeah. if you take this to court don't do this it's it's I mean it's just it goes to show that so much of the legal process is actually not done in the courtrooms but in sort of these back rooms like this Neil deGrasse Tyson on on Twitter um, if you're not familiar with Neil deGrasse Tyson the astrophysicist soon to be host of Fox's Cosmos uh, ooh yeah, yeah. He's, uh, bringing back that's uh, pretty, pretty Charles awesome. Cosmos nice. Neil deGrasse Tyson sort of an intellectual badass but he he made a post recently where because during the whole debt debacle he was commentating he's like law is a pre-scientific art form it, you know law was created long before any sort of study of science was it is the it is one of the few arts that is based on you know on just your ability to argue and convince somebody that you're right mm-hmm. and it's it's and he and his position yeah. is it's time we sort of revisit this whole process our whole understanding of, of how we we approach it because now we understand all of these ways that our brains have all of these blind spots that that don't don't actually help us get to the truth. Right. And I mean, there's the, something said for it. Theoretically, ideally, a court of law or the the justice system is about finding the truth. It's set up in a very adversarial way, just because it's like, well, that's the best way we have to get to the truth, but it's obviously not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But so now we have all of these. All of these things that we now have names for about how how we get to the truth that don't actually help us get there, right. like straw man arguments and mm-hmm. you know appeals to authority and mm-hmm. and no Scotsman fall- you know no true Scotsman fallacies. It, it, I mean, he also made the point on Real Time with Bill Maher about you know the fact if you look at the occupations of every senator and congressman, it's always lawyer, 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 yeah. lawyer. It's never scientist. It's no, there it's are never, yeah. there are three uh, actually two now because one of them just recently retired. Uh, practice uh, that were research scientists before right. you get a couple doctors that in there, but that's about and it. one who was a comedian and we should have more of those yeah, yeah. Well, i agree I, I totally agree so we have another one uh friendly enemy as a tv trope ah, let me yeah. read this okay before i bring this up um so are you saying are you saying chat room that this is uh kevin bacon and tom cruise are they the friendly enemies? Or, is, or or even dawson and tom cruise i feel like it, you could say the same thing because they're you know they're i mean i guess i, I guess it is Kiefer and 
definitely uh, Kevin, Kevin and uh, Kevin and Tom Cruise. I would say are <laughs> obviously it's friendly. Like, yeah, you know, it's, it's like, it's it's this is like this like you know, if, if you're if you're a fighter and you like know the guy, you're gonna fight. Like, right. Hey, uh, what's yeah, up? What's How you doing? I love. And, so and, like, so you're gonna do the thing? You know, when we get in the ring, are you gonna do the thing <laughs> yeah. with your left? And you're like, well, you we'll know, see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. surprise me. Yeah. Oh, I will. Oh, I totally will. And and you know, it's a different movie, but the fighter when he's when Mickey Ward is they have to walk across the street to get to the ring and they're both in full gear. And he like bumps into his opponent in the hallway and he's just sort of like, see you out there. <laughs> like, yeah. Good luck. Hey, how, you know, how you doing? It's just like, it's like that, like the way in the boxing way in where they're like, <laughs> shake hands, hug. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I way ins like that are always odd because it, it ends with two men in underwear hugging, um, in an actual like hugging <laughs> yeah. embrace. That's not, yeah. That's not gay at all. <laughs> it's like, you could, they can't get married. But we will pay lots of money to watch them punch each other because yeah, we're that's, Americans. That's, that's God, true. Damn God, it. God damn it! <laughs> it. It's an odd. It's an odd relationship when you have these these contrivances because you know boxing or any sports event is just a contrived way to get people to fight because we're hardwired to like yeah, fighting. We, we like we're, we're, we're hardwired to, to put some rules on spears. it. Yeah. We've yeah. added rules so they don't usually kill each other. Well, what, now. What, 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 that's the origin of most sports. You know, basketball. Basketball. Uh, a dude sinking uh, a, a ball and uh, yeah. you know making an impressive shot is basically saying I can't stab you in the face, but I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Even like even in artistic yeah. expression, you know, skyscrapers. Look at that fucking building. <laughs> That's my that? penis. That's my yeah. giant cock. Yeah. That uh, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, the only true you know the only true sport I, get, I, I could think of is running, because it's just purely like, can you go from here to there? How fast? All right. <laughs> okay, that's pretty intuitively obvious. Who's good at that sport? Yeah. Um, yeah. Com- uh, combative sports. And, but and but, but okay. Wait. I'm okay. I'm gonna make a circle and I'm gonna hang it up really high and you have to throw a ball into it. But you just fucking made that up. That's not <laughs> <laughs> what kind of humor. And how does that help kill tigers? I, that's bullshit. It's like no, do it. You can't do it, can you? I've been I've been practicing and I can do it. So you suck and I rule. It's like. All right, fuck you. I'm going to practice throwing. Okay, fuck you in your hoop. I'm going to practice. I'm going to, I'm going to do a spin. Yeah. Do it. Okay, I did it, but I I did it where you have to throw the ball at the ground every two steps. Oh, come on, that's bullshit. No, you can't do it, can you? <laughs> I'm going to pull my rifle. Sports were invented. So, so I'm, I'm going to I'm going to hit the ball with this with this with this wooden bat here. That's totally cheating. Run, no, going to run that. around. No, but if you catch it before it hits the ground, then but it has to bounce. Wait, you lost me. Wait. <laughs> Wait, what are we doing? <laughs> I thought we were talking about our penises. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, you get millions of dollars for being good at it. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. I'll do it. Yeah. Sold. Yeah. So, a few good men. No, uh, but this – and this is this is important because he <laughs> he makes the point earlier, like, God, these guys aren't monsters, Sam. But now he's, he's saying he, – he doesn't f- – and all of his, like – you know, dealing and all of his sort of compromises and all of his like, you know, sort of settlements that he makes out of court, he can't figure a way out of this. He can't figure a way to make this simple. You know, he can't figure a way to make this just a clean, simple negotiation. That's 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 his wheelhouse. <laughs> he can, but his, his own clients won't have it now. That's his problem. That's what I'm saying. He, well, can't, he can't. He can't figure out a way to satisfy them and sort of and get them to come. And along to, because they're they're stuck in this. Hey, position. look who it is. Oh, it's Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> hey. So, no, was Aaron Sorkin a lawyer? I, 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 no, that was David E. Kelly. Yeah, yeah David he was, E. Kelly. Yeah, he was yeah. a lawyer before. Wow, look at that little young little Aaron Sorkin. Pre mushroom arrest, Aaron Sorkin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pre, pre so taking he, mushrooms to the airport. Is he on coke at this point? Did, did Solid he, chance. Did he use yeah. coke. Solid chance. Ninety percent chance. Like yeah. in in the movie or right now in this <laughs> yeah, second right, in at that moment or in, in real life. No, like no, in the, in that scene, you know, he's right. at the bar. See, look at that. DC, scenic city. Beautiful, beautiful city. Isn't that the bridge where the airplane crashed into? 
What? 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 Which one? What? Isn't that the bridge the airplane hit when the twenty years, twenty thirty years ago when the plane didn't oh, make the takeoff and right, right, right. smacked oh. into a bridge and, and went in the river? That was after I know it was after I lived in D.C. and I was like, huh? <laughs> I remember seeing that in the news. Like, wow! I, damn. Um, jury selection. By the way, we're about to get into it. But jury selection and, and uh, UCMJ trials are a bit different than civil. There's eight jurors. Uh, there's not twelve, and uh, they are. They are selected basically it's, – it's not even like – oh, it, it's not sort of our jury selection process where you're selected, you go into a pool, and maybe you're picked. It's you get a letter, say, be here tomorrow. Okay, and then you're there, and then that's – and that's and you're doing it. That's, really? And, so you're literally just ordered. You're, just plucked, you're yeah. ordered, and you're, the thing is, though, is because it's still service. You're still paid the exact same amount of money, uh, and it's, it's not it's, – it's just your job that day. It's kind of like, oh, I'm doing this tomorrow. Cool. Is it um- – does the, the officer enlisted aspect come into play at all? Like, if, it, if an enlisted man is on trial, is it a, a jury of enlisted men, or is it always officers? That is a great question. I'm not exactly sure. I think they do try to keep it somewhat consistent. Cause they actually mentioned the jury breakdown here in a little bit. So I, it's I think it's to be a, a trial I think it's of your all, peers. And I, it is trial of your peers, but I think well, they definitely mean that by by service branch. So, for instance, these guys are Marines. They'll be tried by all Marines or Navy. So it's it's so it's not they're not going to bring in Air Force dudes to right. to be the to be the the jury i think they try to keep i think they try to skew um gender is a big part of it and i think they try to skew towards um uh officers uh for both because i think the idea is that officers are sort of you know, well they're supposed to be more educated yeah. and more it's not supposed to be and it, it's yeah it's, it's smart and it's going to be it's going to be like l- lieutenants and stuff like that or ensigns it's not going to be um it's not going to be lieutenant colonels. You know, it's, right, they're not going right. to be plucking a dude down. Well, off hopefully, of a it's carrier. a range. I mean, hopefully, there's a couple of lieutenant, captains and lieutenant like junior grains and captains in. And yeah, I, and I know, and I, I vaguely commanders. know the, the navy ranks, which are it's weird. The marine and army ranks are extraordinarily similar, uh, but the navy ranks are are very different. Um, you know, well, it goes um, in, in navy, arm, in army, marine, and air force. It's second lieutenant, first lieutenant, yeah. captain, captain, major, uh, major, lieutenant colonel, 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 and, and then, then in, in navy and coast guard. It's uh, Ensign, lieutenant, junior grade, lieutenants, lieutenant commander, commander, captain. That's right. So, captain is higher than commander. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so the weird thing is a captain in the Navy outranks a captain in the Army. A captain in the Navy is the equivalent of a colonel in the Army. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so that – and the oh, E3, you know, Eddie mentioned it earlier, E7s, E8s, is a way Enlisted, of saying yeah. that the, a, a sergeant in the Army is the equivalent of a – I'm not sure actually how it works, but say theoretically right. – uh, um, Sar- a corporal in the uh, in the army is equivalent to a seaman apprentice in the navy, right? And so, a in on the officer class, it would work as say an O three would be a captain in the air force or army versus a lieutenant in the um, in the navy, right? Coast Guard. It's a little different in the enlisted ranks too. Uh, Lance corporal, which is an E four, in the um, marines is the equivalent of a specialist in the army, right? Which is equivalent of uh, a sergeant in the air force. So. Yeah, I know the Navy enlisted ranks. I never, <laughs> I was in Air Force ROTC for two years, and I never learned the enlisted Air Force. Uh, That's ranks. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, kind of an important scene. A, we know that uh, Tom Cruise likes you, yeah, because uh, he drinks it the entire rest of this, <laughs> which is movie. pretty awesome. Which is kind of cool. Chocolate flavored mop water. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's fantastic stuff. And uh, <laughs> we live in a we live in a country where we invented that shit, and that's that's pretty awesome. We stuff. also kind of we also kind of realize why Sam's here at this point because Sam's like, "What do you need me for now that Joanne's here?" It's a good question, audience. Um, <laughs> and and so right there, he you kind of get a nice moment between the two friends, but you also get you know you know that Sam's not really on board with this morally. And you get Tom Cruise sort of pulling the team together. He's the glue that holds sort of all this together. 
Uh, and so that's Sam's sort of acceptance of the call, as it will. Yes, he, he's um, like, okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> Just... and, but you also learn that his main thing is going to be uh, witness prep. So now we have a pretty good question here in the chat room. What is your guys's favorite uh, courtroom drama? Kane Mutiny. Okay. Mm. Um, well, let's see. Um, this one's high up on the scale. Not yeah, that I've I, seen all of the absolutely. classic ones. Absolutely. No, this is, yeah. this is top, at least top 10, if not top Yeah, five. I haven't. I mean, there's, there's a number that I have not seen. I have not seen Ken Mutiny. I haven't seen 12 Angry Men. I mean, these are all classics. 12 Angry Men is like two or three. 12 yeah. Angry Men yeah. might, be, might be my but number that's, one. But that's the, th- the difference. Uh, I, I Inherit the Wind, I remember, yeah. is fantastic. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, obviously, we all have a personal interest in that topic. But, uh, you know, Inherit the Wind is, uh, is a good one. Um, I, and I've never seen the movie Inherit the Wind, but we, we studied the play when I was in school. Hmm. So I, we, I, we did the play. We would like act out the play in like English class. Um, I think I got to play the prosecutor. I think I was Clarence <laughs> Darrow. Nice. <laughs> the Clarence Darrow character, which was, uh, you know, maybe it's altered the course of the rest of my life. But, uh, uh, Twelve Angry Men is one of my favorite films of all time. The only thing where it may disqualify it from that. a courtroom drama is that – it's only the juror room the entire time. The trial has happened. And, and I mean, that's another example of adapting a play to play to the screen and doing it really well, but doing it in even more constricted circumstances yeah. than yeah. a few good men, because it literally is just, I mean, the movie adds a scene in the hallway at the beginning of the yeah. courthouse. Really opened it up. And really it. opened it up. Well, and, and but, I, lo- uh, I love this. And the water skiing. I love this here, by the way, the right, dissolves. Right. Jumping yeah. the shark. Yeah. Sure. The, the dissolves <laughs> over the, uh, over the slow push, you see them in literally all their states. They're goofing off. They're working. They're fighting. You get the real sense of passage of time. All of it underneath this uh, this uh, VO of of his like for, sort of final pep talk before they begin. And you get your last little bit of info dump so that you're ready. Once you know, once you hit the courtroom, you're off and running. Um, I, also, I put on that list. Uh, not that it's a major part of the movie, but it's a key part of the movie. Is to kill a mockingbird. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. A, absolutely. It has an impressive court scene that doesn't end happily. No, but uh, it's a good courtroom scene. Kane Mutiny does not end happily, happily at all. Like, and that's another. I think that's why that's a good prototype for this because it's we won. Yeah, yeah it's I kind, kind of. We sort of won. Yeah, yeah but it's like, and that's why. And Jose Ferrer is uh, is in the Kane Mutiny. He plays a defense attorney. And he has not just what his work in the trial, but there in the sort of epilogue afterwards where he comes up to the celebrating crew of the cane and, and he's drunk and he basically tears them fucking apart. And it's <laughs> amazing to watch. Well, 12 Angry Men is worth checking out because, you know, first of all, you should, if you have any interest in being a filmmaker and filmmaking yes, whatsoever, yeah. go out and, and buy uh, Sidney Lumet's Making Movies. It's an amazing book. And he talks at length about pretty much every movie mm-hmm. he's made, including 12 Angry Men. Mm-hmm. And he, t- he talks at length about... You know how because it was just in that the entirety of the movie was just in that one room. How he used things like composition and lenses and and framing and blocking to to tell the story and and and, and let those those specific tools of the filmmaking trade influence you know how you how you told the story. And if, and once you're done with that movie, you've digested it and you're in the mood for more Sydney Lumet. Go rent The Pawnbroker, starring Rod mm. Steiger. Uh, Rod Steiger's best performance. Uh, he even said so. And a really great dark film especially for the time first film that actually featured a uh, female nudity believe it or not oh wow yeah well no that can't well be. no i mean not like first like well, mainstream, mainstream like yeah not theatrically released not 1920s yeah. porn post you know? post haze code yeah exactly post haze code big doors and i think she was black even she oh, was yeah she was a black hooker shocking who threw herself at a this film is not yet rated yeah and I love Aunt Jenny here. <laughs> There's kinda, Aunt Jenny. Kind of hot. <laughs> yeah. In a weird sort of southern frumpy way. Hey, Aunt Jenny. How you doing there? So, yeah. She gets what? one great line here like where he's like, I thought you were older. And she's like, me too. 
Yeah, I was expecting someone older. older. So, so was I. I. Yeah, she so. she kind of reminds you in a weird way of Kelly McGillis from Top Gun. A little, like, you just change the circumstance, yeah, yeah. and you're like, oh, I, I, I can see bit. what would happen here. No kidding. And I love that little banter there. There's there's ways where they don't. Uh, Caffrey and um and and um, Kevin Bacon do not like directly interact a whole lot from here on out. Like they barely say. I think I don't think they actually exchange words with each other until the very end. But. There are these little sort of through their examination, cross examination. There are these little cutaways where you, it's like you can see them playing a game with each other, and it's they're not speaking directly to each other, but it's this it's this battle, like this sort of weird indirect battle that's kind of fun to watch and and sort of well, exclusive it's, it's to a, courtroom. It's a sport stuff. in its own way. I mean, yeah. it's, it's very it really much is. like these yeah. are these are two professional athletes in their chosen sport, and they're there's so, <laughs> there's an appreciation for the craft, even when you know the guy gets the, the you know when it, when he scores that goal against you. When he does it really well, you can't help but go. All right, I, yeah. I appreciate I appreciate what you did there. Okay, so there's a couple of women there, and it does look like they're all officers. Yeah. So, so it'd be an officer thing. So uh, this is the you know a beautiful opening statement because it's like this, 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 and this. These are the facts, and they're not even being they're not even disputed. It's like, and he's going to tell you the exact the, same the, thing. The defense is going to say, yeah, okay, all that happened, yeah, yeah. but. Yeah. But but it's an important distinction in the military yeah. of whether you know whether or not you are ordered to do this. It, and, it's a very it's a very t- difficult thing in the military uh, being when you're being given an order because you have a legal obligation not to follow an unlawful order. So if if your commanding officer were to give you an, an order that you knew was not was not legal, you have an obligation yeah. to not follow it. There's a there's a trap on, on paper yeah. exactly <laughs> exactly. And, <laughs> and then, with that said, life, it's very a, it's that's never, a scary it's, loophole there. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and again, that's and that's sort of and that's K mutiny is worth checking out uh, because of that. It's and he, and even the book. Like, go ahead and read the book because there's there's quite a bit in there um, that, that's worth talking about about you know sort of your sense of duty and having to follow an immoral order. Um, and sort of what your actual, you know, real duty versus sort of your paper duty is. Uh, I like that Kevin Bacon frames it as, you know, Caffrey's going to try to pull a magic act. So that yeah. frames his entire argument from here on out as deception and misdirection. Yeah. And that's, there's a very, um, interesting, you know, that's a lot of courtroom theater and there is, mm-hmm. there is an, as- oh my God. Yeah. There is an element to theater to being, you know, to being oh, a absolutely. trial lawyer. Um, I grew up watching, and it's 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 a lot about you know understanding like okay if I was the other guy what strategy would I employ, and how what you know how do I counter that strategy how do I undercut that strategy before he even gets to launch it yeah you know and so the it's it's all about framing that you know framing is a big concept in in political uh, in political circles of you have to frame the 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 actual argument is won or lost before it's ever even made by Mm -hmm. the way you frame it at the outset and that's that's what Republicans are amazing at and Democrats can't do to save their lives (laughs) and it's it's God damn it. Why we lose all these political controlling the narrative? Damn it! It's a classic controlling the narrative is. It's a classic human thing. It is in our it is in our instinct to debate just as much as it is anything else. It's the same principle behind battle raps and comedy central roasts. Like it's (laughs) it's the exact same sort of uh, mechanic that we have. Where I'm going to make the joke before you can make it. Right. It's and I mean think of it as almost like poker. It's not even about what your hand is. It's about how you can. You know, intimidate your well. It's guessing what your opponent is going to do, yeah, and sort of and strategizing. It's a, it's a chess yeah. match in a yeah. very real sense. I tell you, one of the if you want to really, really know how how that the game is uh, played at that level, um, there are two books. One is, uh, and I've mentioned them in some other podcasts, but there are two books. It's Helter Skelter, which is written by Vincent Bugliosi, who yeah. is the guy who prosecuted Manson, and it's all about the the process of prosecuting Manson. I said this another one. You know, he literally like okay. Charles Manson, you know, biggest story of the, in the, of the decade. It's like it's the amazing thing. You're going to prosecute it. 
don't screw this up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? It's like, uh, you know, it's like, well, how can you possibly screw it up? Clearly, it's an open shut case. And the more he like, you know, get into the got into the the case, um, and I mentioned this in whether or the podcast, talking about strategy in the courtroom, Bugliosi chose not to try and prove Manson's motive. Right. Because Manson's motive was fucking batshit crazy. It was, it was chaos. Yeah. You can't so, chaos. So it's like, it's like he's going to go to the mental institution and I want him to go to freaking prison or the death penalty. So I'm going to try and like – he literally decided not to prove the case that would have been a slam dunk. Like this guy's batshit crazy. He told his followers to go do this. He tried to prove it so that Manson would get a legitimate death penalty or go right. to jail for life and succeed. So he tried to play it as if Manson were insane. Or were sane, well, wasn't insane. Well, yeah, he just yeah. didn't go into – he literally did not – say everything he knew about Manson's motive for ordering the murders. Because, of course, it was very tricky because Manson didn't participate in any of the murders himself. He sent his followers out. So you had to prove conspiracy and all, you know, all that. Anyway, so you really want to know the ins and outs of that process. Uh, the book is Helter Skelter. Um, but then he wrote a follow-up book called And the Sea Will Tell, which was I a, heard about that which one. is a yeah. great book, uh, turned into actually a pretty good TV movie at the time, um, in which he became he, – after he retired from prosecuting, he became a defense attorney um, – and applied all of this sort of like knowing how prosecutors do their job to be a defense attorney. People forget. Keep oh, that's right. right. Yeah, in a very good. tiny role, and he was actually a bigger yeah. star. He was also in Gladiator along with uh, the other three. It was, it was the 1992 yeah. one. You the 1992 yeah. uh, 91. 91. I want to say. Yeah. Somebody uh, asked in the Denny. chat room if you. Yeah, Brian Dennehy. There's there's a yeah, funny. Where's, where's Brian Dennehy in this? There's movie? a funny <laughs> anecdote about that. Very quickly. Cool I don't mean to interrupt, but uh, I'll finish it Gladiator. Before Ultimate Fighting Championship Four, Hoist Gracie was in his hotel room and he was up and he watched. Gladiator, and there's a scene in Gladiator where Brian Denny he says, "If you want to block a punch, don't use your hands. Duck your head down and take the punch on the top of your head, and you'll break their hand." And Hoist was like, "Oh!" And in the fight, the very next day, Keith Hackney goes to punch him. He does that, and sure as shit, Keith Hackney breaks his fucking hand. So he wins that fight thanks to Brian Dennehy. Thank you, Brian Dennehy. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Dennehy is is always right. I, I think <laughs> sorry, film sorry. history film history has proven that. Continue, please. Anyway, the um, the in uh, in the sea will tell was about. He, he he reluctantly took on the defense of this case of this murder trial. This woman, who it was like it was like there, there couldn't possibly be a more open and shut case than this situation. Right. It's like she and her boyfriend were on this tiny tropical island on a boat. This other couple came on their boat, and no one knows what happened on the island. <laughs> but then the the woman and her boyfriend sailed back into the mainland on the other couple's yeah, boat. boat. Yeah, that's pretty, said they pretty just, clear. They just disappeared one day. We went over to their boat and they were gone. Um, and so, <laughs> and then, and, and there was no trial for, for years and years and years. There was no trial. And then the, the skeleton of the woman who owned the boat was found years later by oh, someone who just shit, happened to wow. be driving by. And then it suddenly became a murder trial because finally habeas corpus. They said, okay, yeah. somebody, clearly she was killed and murdered. Bring me so, the body. So the, the two, the two, the young people who, you know, came back on the other couple's boat, finally after years were prosecuted for, for the murder. Um, they were no longer a couple. They'd long since broken up. And all, um, Bugliosi became the defense attorney of the girl, the female, um, not the guy who was already in jail for another <laughs> thing. Cause he was a fucking criminal. Um, <laughs> And he didn't want to defend this woman, but the more he talked to her, the more he began to believe that somehow, genuinely, she didn't know on this tiny island that her boyfriend had killed the other couple. That he began to believe that. And he began, I think she genuinely – I mean, she suspected, of course, but she didn't participate. And she was kind of a young idiot, and she sort of like bought into his story like, I just went and they were gone. And She didn't actually participate in the murder. So – 
The he, stupid defense. Yeah, well exactly. But but defense. but we're not talking about you know she's not on trial for being stupid. She's on trial yeah. for murder, which right, right. he believed, began to believe that she didn't actually participate. Um, anyway, the, the fascinating thing about talking about tra- strategy is he talks about okay, but it's, this is going to be so hard to pull this off, you know, with the with the jury mm-hmm. and the prosecutor. Um, and so this his strategy was amazing. He he all through the testimony he would he would do the kind of the Columbo kind of just one more question. And ask this kind of like left field kind of, you know, question that's like, well, wait. So if you were standing here on the island over here, um, the sun angle would be what? Okay, thank you. No more questions. Um, and but here's what he did. I love that aspect. Of, uh, but here's but here's here's what it was all about. In his closing statement, you know, which is where it all comes together, um, just like the opening statement and the closing statement. Um, and the closing statement was when suddenly he took all these seemingly random bits of information that he'd gotten from testimony and pulled it all together to prove how it is that she could have not known. It's like, see, when he was there, what the happened was that she was over there, but with the sun with that angle, she couldn't have seen across the water. Just laid out this entire theory that he'd never mentioned during the rest of the trial, oh, which wow. left the prosecutor, who has to rebut that, <laughs> had never heard that before. And he was like, holy, holy fuck. <laughs> well, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Uh, and left him, left him, he was completely flat-footed. He was like... Oh shit! That makes you know the, the prosecutor was totally taken off guard by that. Which is which oh, is exactly the way yeah. you should tell a story. Is here's yeah. all of these little moments. Yeah. Here's all of these details that don't look like they belong to a pattern yet yeah. until the very last possible moment that you tell the punchline. It's like that is, and then it all comes together. And what that is, is a, like trial attorneying at its highest level. It's like goddamn, dude, well, you scary. And what is a trial attorney if not a storyteller? You a have story to tell teller, a story. Yeah. Yeah. A magician, a storyteller. Speaking of storytellers, here we have freaking Christopher Guest. Christopher Guest. <laughs> <laughs> he um you. You can't see it, but above his head, he's wearing a sign that says, Rob Reiner directed this. Yes. Um, because, he's my friend. Yeah, I'm friends. Um, and this is before um, uh, Guest was doing, you know, uh, Waiting for Guffman and sort of his own directed movies. He was but still post Spinal Tap. Post Spinal so. Obviously, but there's a big gulf between Spinal Tap and yes. Waiting for Guffman of yeah. about 12 years or so. Um, but regardless, th- this is a good example of what Caffrey is good at and what sort of every defense attorney has to do, which is attack your enemy's strengths. And the strength is a doctor saying it was poison. And so he has to go right at it and just take it off at the head and just say, Oh really? It couldn't have been anything else. Like, and so he, and he does exactly what Trey is talking about here where he, he creates like, well, what about, does condition exist where this could happen? Yes. Oh, well, what would those symptoms be? (laughs) These things. Oh, looky here, the thing you signed. And that's, and that's (laughs) exactly. And that's, and that's sort of, you know, we we know Caffrey to be a bullshit artist, but once we see him in trial, that's when we sort of realize Jesus, he's kind he's kind of a badass, you know, in in, in this. And, this and is, you start to think maybe there's a chance. This is where the job can get ethically gray, because again, it's the it's the the I was gonna say prosecutor, but uh, defense attorney. Defense attorney's job is to create the reasonable doubt, and mm-hmm. and so it's like a defense attorney. That's their job. So even if even if the witness's testimony. Is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. You still have to go in there and try and make and it seem like it. it's not solid. <laughs> muck it up. And, yeah. and that's the reason I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I was in mock trial. Me and both of my parents were lawyers, and I, I love doing this kind of thing. And I'll be honest. When I was in mock trial in high school, I kicked some motherfucking ass. Okay. But that, that aspect of like, if, yeah. I, if I know, if I feel like this guy is guilty and still have to, to go to work and try yeah. to get this guy free... Yeah, my dad I was could, a, my dad was a defense attorney and a public defender for a while. And oh, wow. you know, yeah. I was like, you know, oh yeah, he totally did it. You're his lawyer. Get in there. You yeah. know, that's that's, uh, that's the toughest. No, I forget you're from you're from Baltimore. 
Uh, well, well, DC. No. We, lived, yeah. actually, I forget, I forget. we lived in Silver Spring. Which is no wonder Baltimore. you like Dwyer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I never. I don't think. I don't know if I ever actually went to Baltimore. My whole time I right, lived right, in, right. in Maryland. Because because why? Why would you go? But <laughs> well, um, the water, the aquarium is very nice. The aquarium is. I don't know if they had the aquarium at the time. Um, it literally was like we went to Silver Spring, went to DC a lot because we were just you know Silver Spring is just a bedroom community for DC, and my dad worked in DC. And here we see Joanne's glaring weakness, where she's like, but 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 he's wrong, you yeah. know, and uh, and she kind of not so good with not, the arguing. <laughs> yeah, you kind of realize. Why she's not been, you know, why she's not, and she has a moment later on where she sort of admits, like, you know, I'm. She realizes she's not good at this. Isn't really her place, and she very badly wants. Part of the reason for animosity towards Caffrey is that she recognizes just how good Caffrey can be, and like that's a gift that he has that she doesn't. And uh, you know, at least that's how I always read it. And because later on when they're they're eating crab, she says, "I think you're an amazing attorney." And I think I, I look at the way the audience, you know, the 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 court responds to you, and I think you know they'll have a chance. Um, but it's, being, it's, being a trial attorney is a very special skill. It, it really takes is. a very special talent. You, it takes it takes the talent of the magician and, and the storyteller. Magician, storyteller, the actor, an analyst. <laughs> Uh, a bit of theater, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's it's quite it's, a bit of theater. It's a weird combination of skills that you need to have, and and not only that, but the training that you need to just get the opportunity to do this, it has nothing to do with any of those things. It's it's a lot of book learning, and uh, you know, it's 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 interesting how that sort of works out. How how you have to go through this extraordinary process, but your real skills aren't going to be tested until you're actually doing it. This is where he's being kind of a douchebag. Oh, I strenuously object. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, oh. I see what you were doing there. Yes. Ke- but he, Kevin, Kevin Pollock, he can do sort of like the adorable douchebag. Like it's just yeah. now. If you're all wondering about badges, and this is very good, Caffrey and Kevin Pollock are only wearing one badge, which is the Meritorious Service Badge, which basically means you did it. Yeah, like you're in the military. Yeah, yeah. that's, that, well, that's, that's it. That's it basically right. comes with the uniform. It, 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 it really yeah. does. Yeah. It really, you get your uniform measured, and then when you graduate boot camp, they pin that on you. And that and so you're done. Like this, yeah. the day you get sort of it's, it's the active service badge. It's active yeah. service, yeah. yeah. That's, yeah. that's all it is. Uh, and you whereas, are here. Whereas Joanne, Joanne, participant. Joanne has, has two and a half, or almost has two rows. Like that's that's crazy for someone in the military. Less than a, well, I mean, she has a commander, but it's still she's got two rows of of of, of medals. There. Now, what sort of so. things could she have had a, get medals for? Because obviously, she hasn't gone to combat or anything. No, no, no. Marksman. No, no. You don't. You don't. Navy doesn't wear their marksman badges on. That's a unit citation. Whether or not, like the unit citation, even if no, you weren't she, in a unit at the time, she, she can have. She can have. If she can meritorious service, she can have. There's a number of, of most medals are non-combat. Most medals are mm. just things that miscongeniality. No, just like a um, no, like your unit had the highest efficiency rating last quarter. Yeah, or, I mean there, yeah, are, there are badges they're, for that kind they're of thing. Th- there are things for that, and then if you see if you and, see and, little bumps on them, those are called oak leaf clusters, which means she's gotten it twice. So, and you see a couple oak leaves on there. So. And, and the Navy does have marksman badges. They do, but they don't. But they don't wear. Navy has eleven uniforms, and then, <laughs> so true. the Navy does not wear their marksman badges with this uniform. It's like but they wear if, their other badges. I didn't know there was no, a no, distinction. The, the, there's the 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 marksmanship badges are like actual dangly medallion things, but uh, they're also ribbons. No, no. All right. Not when no. I was in, when I was in a Navy version of J. Rotsy, It was called the Sea Cadets, but we had. We had marksman badges, and well, because, we wore them because with the you're rest not of our uniform, right? But, but I mean, granted, that was yeah, the actual navy. The 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 marksmanship. There's there's two of them for you know one for grenades and one for uh, and there used to be one for driving back in the day, uh, like combat driving, and then mm-hmm. so they don't have that anymore. But those are little. Um, they're essentially iron crosses with like a thing on them, um, and those are just worn usually with your class A. 
Um, not your mess dress, but your class A, you wear those. And Army and Marines both wear those. And, and, and Navy on certain, because Navy has blues, whites, khakis, mess dress, blacks. They have a variety. They have variety. something new now. Uh, my mom was just telling me about it. I can't remember what it is now. But uh... Yeah, not to disperse it, but if you want to look fabulous, then Navy is for you because you get to play dress up the most. Like, you really, <laughs> there's, a, there's a, you know, there, there's. Navy has the, the coolest uniforms. They, I have, think. A, they have the biggest I mean, variety. It's a numbers game. Like, if you, if you don't like one, you've got seven others to wear. On any given day, the khakis so. look stupid, but uh, well, that the blacks look badass. The bell bottoms, that the actual uh, which they don't wear. use anymore. Yeah, I know, but Th- those are those are gone. So, but you know, do you know why they uh, why Navy personnel had bell bottoms? Uh, there was, some, was something to do with the water and some yeah, because if yeah. you if you fell overboard and you were you know if you had fallen overboard and were in the water, you could take your pants off and make tie a them up and make a float, float to, to yeah. tie up the legs and make a flotation device out of them. And get them over your boots, probably while you're at it. So. Uh, yeah. Most times when I most times when I hit the water, I just take my pants off anyway, so I, I would do very well. <laughs> Smart people take them off before they jump in the water, but nah, I guess they're talking about accidents. Yeah, at exactly. This point. Oh shit! Pants off. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> Anytime I get near the water, I just on just principle pants. take my pants off. So you know. So don't what take. happen? Uh, the picture has gone down, and I click the start broadcasting button. Oh god! But there's a password required to broadcast. Oh no! And I don't know what the password. Oh, is. Yeah, this no, is awesome. Again. Oh wait, no. He's he's looking. Are we good or no? I, I, well, somebody in the chat room is saying that the thing is... Is it one person or everybody? Uh, and anyway... <laughs> anyway. So they're... Okay. So they're having... That's good. A, okay. this, is their, good. this is their little pseudo date. And I guess, you know, I like the, I like the fact that the, the story doesn't really like... And then they have sex and they... You know, they just, no, that's a whole thing. Never, I okay. love that. I love yeah. that they, there's... N- romance barely gets mentioned. According, according to IMDb, there was a, a lovemaking scene that they either... Cut from the film where they never shot because they're like it doesn't fucking matter. It doesn't matter, yeah. It doesn't yeah. make any difference. Good thing. Which a, makes me wonder if it was in the stage play, which seems it, weird. It to uh, take my breath away. Or at least or the idea take of my breath away. And Noah Wiley's back. Uh, and Noah Wiley's back. Corporal, Corporal Barnes. Now one of the things that's uh, So okay, see see what he's wearing? Those are his yeah, the, he's the done silver some things. Shit. Yeah. The yeah. silver things underneath are his marksmanship badges. Which you would hope he would have if he yeah, no sure Gidmo. The um But yeah, no no Wiley's like, No Wiley before so many people in this movie before we knew who they were. One of the things that confused me when I first saw this movie, and it took me a while, is is I didn't quite grasp the whole J.T. Walsh Markinson character. Right. Because he only yeah. has that one scene in the beginning. And, and then they keep, refer- they keep referring, they keep referring to Markinson, but I wasn't clear on who Markinson name was. was. Right. Um, it comes together in the end. But you know, I remember the first time watching this movie. For me, I was like, who's this Markinson they keep talking right. about? Because I just didn't connect that it was the J.T. Walsh character. Noah does uh, good work with what he's got here too. A, he's the friendliest marine. Uh, B, he's you know he does a good job. Sort of you know the, he has a great look on his face. Like it works. I never drop my my rifle again. Gulp. Like he's just <laughs> he, he kind of like you can see some some shit there. He's a guy who's like he, he, he can't. You can see he's gonna he's gonna sail through his service and come out okay on the other end. Yeah, he's yeah. found a way to like just understand and make it work. And he like, enjoys yeah. it. He's all right. He's yeah. not, you know, nothing's gonna. He, he's not him. part of. He, uh, because the Marine Corps has has this mentality that we've talked about. It, it's very cultish in its own very way. But you can tell that he's not joined the cult. He reminds yeah. me a lot of my cousin Randy, who was in the Marines for uh, for several years. And and but you know he's in the civilian world now, and he's just a normal guy. And like he he was a squared away Marine, but he you know he never he never bought into. He, he was very proud of his service, but he never like he he didn't rely on it for identity. And I think a large part of the you know people who join the military, there is a percentage of them who join because they seek an identity 
greater than themselves, and they want to be associated with something because they haven't quite figured out who they are yet. Look at the way Kevin um, Bacon walks here. He has he has just he has a, a nice little marine walk. It's a very it's a very yeah it's a very squared away gate. Yeah, it's a very squared away gate. Hands, you know the the big thing with with military movies and is any branch of the military they teach you to hold your hands like you're cupping a roll of quarters, and you kind of default to that even when you're not marching when you're sort of in the service, and you can tell like if in movies when they've done their job well if people sort of do that when they walk sort of with a uh, you like know it's like right, right, right there yeah. you know his hands are sort there of cupped and ding, 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 ding. You know, he's got yeah he's just got sort of this. This thing, and you, or it's they always his, it's a marching stride to it, even when right. he's just crossing a courtroom floor. And instinctually, you should always start on your left foot because when you yeah. march, you always start with your left. So I mean, just things like that. If they take corners in ninety degrees, it's just little little details like that go a long way. Do you still start you off with your left foot? I think I do. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I never start with my right foot because <laughs> I did wow. four years of ROTC and then the army, and so by that point, yeah, from it's ages a, fourteen flyer. to twenty, it was just nonstop, yeah. you know, marching. Now there, he was in, he was engaging in some serious theater there. Yeah, yeah, that was like a total rhetorical thing, right? And, and this is but even better, to, but just to prove a point. And this is like the satire of it. It's yeah. just like you mean you've never had a meal, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And, and no, no, I was like actually trying to answer this. Like it's a real question. It's like, no, I'm well fed. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, right. I'm, I'm trying to hang in there with you, sir. But you're talking crazy. What do you What do you mean? So yeah, again, it's again. This is this is the the and a, you know you're lucky if you're in a trial that you know you can you see this kind of like. The level of of endeavor going on because most of it's pretty pretty ploddingly dull to watch, but uh, you know in in an idealized courtroom drama where where there's something worth watching. I mean, yeah, it's that. It's like okay, I gotta how do I how do I totally negate that? You know that he just pulled out a hat. Now I got to pull something out of a hat to counter it right now while it's still fresh in the jury's mind. And something something to be said about the pace of this movie. Uh, I am actually not familiar with the editor, but it it and a good part of it is the pacing is the writing, just because. Where you know when we're courtroom, we it moves at a brisk pace. It's very efficient. We get sort of the meat of the arguments. It's both written and cut that way, uh, so that we're never just in the court for too long. I used to watch a lot of Perry Mason because I had a grandmother from the South, and uh, and right, so, right, I mean right, I watch right. so <laughs> that, that follows yeah. yeah. So uh, and so yeah, I mean I just whenever she would watch me, Perry Mason would just fucking always be on. And you know, eighty percent of those shows take place in the courtroom and. For a serialized sort of thing, that's fine, but you can't, you know, you can't get away with that for an entire movie. You really need to sort of get down to the meat and potatoes of it. I do like how J.T. Walsh is literally a ninja, <laughs> uh, total ninja. He doesn't look like one. Got into his car. Well, and I love that line earlier. It's, it's like, like you know, he's, he's intelligent. He was counter. He was counter There is yeah. no Walsh. There is no Walsh. Walsh doesn't exist. Yeah, he'll disappear, blend in. Right. He's Joanne. With any luck, he's got the code red already. <laughs> And the president's football, so uh, so yeah. So here uh, we get here we get now. It's we, like the deep throat character. Well, and see, we one thing we did know before we knew that he ordered that we knew that um, Nicholson sort of ordered the code red. But here we get the how and the why. Like this is sort of the central mystery. Like we do feel like okay, this is exactly how we did it, and I was a part of it. It's just kind of like just sort of handing it to him. Yeah. But again, gonna... but it's it's the problem, of course, is I'm going to put you on the stand. No, you're not. <laughs> it's like, now you know, but you can't prove anything I just told right. you. Right. Exactly. Which is always the real real fight when it comes to to, to police cases and, and court cases. Like, we we know what the truth is, right. but how do we yeah. actually... How do we... We can, don't have yeah. A to Z. We only have C, F, and J. What, you know, but we need all of those to actually make a conviction. Which, I mean, you know, not a lot of... I, I recently saw it was a runaway jury and, and man, what a mess of a film that was. There's some good elements to it. But the big thing was, is that 
they tried to make this central mystery that you didn't unravel until the very end. But I think the success of a movie like this is that it's not about trying to figure out if someone actually did it. It's it's all about the process of proving, about trying to outsmart and outposition yourself. Um, but yeah. Dr. Submarine points out uh, the trope of the heroic blue screen of death trope. <laughs> when <laughs> when, when uh-huh. some, something happens to, to your hero and it just completely crashes their internal system and they go batshit over it. So, uh, oh, with uh, Markinson showing yeah, up? So yeah, so he's saying that once uh, uh, Markinson dies... Or I'm sorry, hang on. Uh, after Walsh kills himself, uh, yeah. Tom Cruise gets the blue screen of death. Spoiler. Isn't that a isn't that a save the cat beat though as well of of, of you know the all is lost moment? You know that's sort of the it, yeah the save yeah. The, it's a, from the book save the cat. It's yeah. not a save the cat, but uh, yeah no I'm just saying the, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, the, it's, it's the all is lost all the whiff of death uh, yeah. is because uh, he's dead and they've got nothing at that point. Yeah, they're how, actually how two different they're actually two different beats, but they usually come right next to each the, other. Yeah, one right. and the, one's cause, one of one's effect. Like yeah, the, yeah, the whiff of death is and 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 you know, damn if Blake Snyder wasn't you know right pretty and, much. Yeah, and this is like um, the false victory right here, where he thinks, oh well, now I've yeah, got him. This is the false high. The false yeah, high. and then we're gonna have and then which will then followed by the whiff of death, which is followed by the dark night of the soul. Right, um, which is I guess the equivalent of what the blue that's, of death that's is. When idea. That's when he's drunk, ladies and gentlemen. has been bound in front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Dark Knight of the Soul, and then the uh, All is Lost, and then the, the Redemption. Moment. I mean, here we have a nice conversation about the difference between uh, Marine point of views and how, how Kevin Bacon is like, I, right. listen, I, I just wear the uniform. I'm not part of the... Without uh, passion or prejudice, yeah. yeah. But he also sets up, he also sets up, and this is important, he has to, he has to advise the defense, and in a way he's advising the audience, okay, there's a thing in the military where if you accuse an officer of a crime and you have no evidence, you will go to jail. Yeah. Like you Which w- is completely fucked up. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's totally fucked but it is real. It's whether in real life the application of this, if you have like a cause to think of it, but unless he can provide a scrap of physical evidence that can sort of you know, sort of uh, uh, support what he's saying, he's going to probably get disbarred probably you know almost certainly go to jail at least in article 15 like i mean just a number of loss of rank it's going to be bad it's going to sort of ruin his thing and if you get a dishonorable discharge you're a lousy fucking self <laughs> yeah. i love that it's such got, a nonsense i got no comeback to that whatsoever yeah. i'm like so, uh, so you're okay short and ugly you know yeah your shoes <laughs> are, don't match your and your mother dresses you funny yeah but um, but yeah, it's 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 one of those things where okay, now we have stakes personally for Tom Cruise. Yeah, it's, it's not just it's not just a beautiful diff- raising of the stakes. Yeah. It's like, oh, guess what? Now you're on the line, right? And and it had and you know it had to be introduced there. It could not have been introduced sooner. It had to be introduced there after this sort of you know false hope. And. In, in good dramatic style, it's not going to go well at first. Yeah, no. It's going to be like, oh, God, I totally screwed this up. This is not working out. Meanwhile, we have the Kiefer Sutherland mini-boss that has to be defeated. <laughs> um, and he's going yeah. re- to be rhetorically defeated. <laughs> and, he has, and he has three major powers. Right. Uh, on heroic mode, he has four. Yeah, but four, yeah. This, yeah. This is, <laughs> heroic mode, he grows legs. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. So He has but, the uh, fire and the ice breathing. Yeah, this exactly. this you know, one's at not so time. bad. At, at this le- nature damage. This level, it's pretty much just tank and spank. Uh, he, he spawns some ads, but you can deal with that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty exactly. simple. So So yeah, here's how and, you just sort and, of, you know. And he gets around it. it up yeah, he that. gets around it. He's he's establishing precedent for the code red first. And he, he's very long-winded to get there, but he has to sort of do that. I it's it is very sort of I almost like my one criticism of the movie is that once Tom Cruise decides that he's going to take this to trial, he suddenly hits lawyer switch and he just out of nowhere pulls out this amazing talent to be an incredible rhetorical lawyer. 
or a trial lawyer, even though this is his right. first when, trial when his, case. When his, when his talent all along has been negotiating and settlement, out-of-court settlement. Exactly. It's like he's, now he's, he's been pulling a, out this Because this he's trial. been afraid to go it's, to it's like It's like Bo Jackson. It's just like, oh, so, oh, I'm a baseball player too. You know, it's just, it's it's sort of like, and, and that's fine. It does this better than I would say uh, the Rainmaker with um, Matt Damon, where, again, first case, he hasn't even technically passed the bar yet, and he takes down like an insurance company for like half a billion dollars or something like that. It's just sort of that that's an example of a movie that doesn't do it quite as well. Um, this movie, it's still a bit of a, I won't, I won't say magic bean, but it is sort of like, wow. Okay. That, that happened. But, um, but it's so much fun and you, you, you sort of let it happen along the way. Cruz and the way he approaches both uh, Kendrick and, uh, and Jessup later, he, he's coming at it a little bit like, Sort of got this bug-eyed kind of like you hate me, you hate <laughs> yeah. me, you yeah. hate me. Just like yeah, you just you just hate like having to talk to me and answer my questions, right? He's and just it, like poking him in the belly. The yeah, time. it's like <laughs> which is which is part of the thing. It's like he's trying to get these guys to just you know say that one thing too much that they're they're trying to hold hold back. Well, he, yeah, he knows that you know his his sense of casualness about being in the military and about the uniform and every aspect of it bothers the shit out of them. So he's, <laughs> he's amping it up for, for that sake. Yeah. I'm just a fancy lawyer. No, he, by, he, by the way, putting your hands in your pockets in uniform. No, no. Yeah. that'd be never, bad. Never, that'd never, be bad, never. bad, bad. Yeah. That's, so and, that's, and earlier on when Downey like shoves his hands in his pocket, when he stands up, that's a big fuck you. Like yeah. I got caught with one hand in my pocket. Cause the idea is that you can put your hands in your pocket to retrieve something. But if your hand lingers in your pocket, that's actually not a good thing. My drill sergeant caught me with my hand in my pocket one day i didn't even see he was there but of course he apparated out of nowhere and um <laughs> like they do like they do and i was doing burpees like a minute later so burpees are where you do a uh a push-up that from a standing position you get all the way down and do a yeah, push-up but, and then come but, yeah exactly up. and then yeah that's uh and well, that's one push-up they call it front burpee. leaning rest yeah um there's nothing resting about <laughs> being in push-up position but again caffrey's never been through that Caffrey's never been dropped for push-ups, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's just—I mean, they do do that, but not not to the extent that they do in the regular um, enlistment service. But again, Dawson and Downey through this entire middle section, they're there, but they're largely absent. Like this drama is just sort of surrounding them. They both, you know, and and Dawson never takes the stand; only Downey does. Um, so it's like, so yeah, that's true. You know, so it's like they. All this happens around. It's like the in even in Twelve Angry Men, you see the defendant once and then the rest of the movie is about debating his guilt or innocence Mm -hmm. and um that's a cool thing unique to you know trial movies is that you it's it's an asymmetrical um battle you know like the people actually fighting for their lives are actually not fighting you know it's 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 kind of cool to to this genre so here he is he's he's he's, you know in that in that kind of bugliosi kind of way he's he's laying the little groundwork here He's like, oh, but it wasn't like a order order, was it? And he's kind of, you know, get him to say that it, there's no such thing as a non-order order. That and I love the, the way he says, thing. it's not a real order, it's peacetime. Yeah. <laughs> I love the way he's just, it's not like a real order. It's not the real army or anything. It's not the real Marine Corps. And he says that knowing that's going to infuriate Kiefer because to, to, I mean, it is sort of biblical in that all sins are equal. So all, all, th- all you know, all order, every Marines order are always equal. at war. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's you know. And again, it's like I can't really find fault with that. I, yeah. No, I, it's. I mean, it's, I understand it. It. it is a necessary. It is a necessary aspect. You know, it's the. Uh, how does the saying go? You know, those. Um, it's a Churchill quote. Uh, uh, fuck. And you're ugly, but tomorrow I'll be sober. <laughs> that one, uh, probably not that one. 
No, I lost it. Never mind. What's, what's unique about the military life is that it's they protect democracy, but they don't actually practice it. If you live in the military, you're living in a socialist society where all of your things are provided for you. You're given a tiny amount of money that is not proportionate to, to your actual, actual work. work. Yeah. But every need you have is there in some way or another. I mean, in theory, at least. That's not <laughs> often Socialist and, 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 and monarchy at the same yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely... It, exactly. It's, it's a monarchy. It's a, socialist, it's a benevolent monarchy. It's, 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 it's a, yeah, a benevolent socialist monarchy <laughs> that needs to exist to defend democracy. And that's... And, and until we transcend into beings of crystal and light, I don't know how we're going to get around that. And it's weird that it's... You know, if that's a society that works... Um, and yet it's not natural for us. You know, it's like you have right. to you have to do kind of like teach people not to be like we teach people to be in the rest of their lives to be in the military. It's kind of like, right. okay, be this for a while. Right. And then and now that and you're then, done, don't ever be that. Yeah, unbe that don't, when you're don't be that then now you can go back and you can, you know, care about Britney Spears or whatever the fuck, you know. Which it's a like, lot of people have a very tough time yeah. dealing with. Well, you know, and it's it's people forget like Anytime you plan, uh, you know, in, in warfare, if you plan something, you can't just plan how you're going to conquer. You also have to plan how the fuck am I going to feed twenty thousand people? Right. And one, you know, one thing Game of Thrones or the the Song of Ice and Fire series does well. Uh, this is not really a spoiler, but in the second book, Clash of Kings, there, you know, there's wars going on, hence the title. And one of the big dilemmas for one of the armies is, okay, we're stuck in this one area. We we don't have to. We, it's easily defendable. If we advance. I have to figure out how I'm going to feed my 25,000 person host. This area is desolate. If I get to here, I have to fight this person, but, and I can, and I can farm here, but then I have to go over here to fight. And how exactly am I going to do with that? Because our salted and cured meats are only going to last so long. And yet we can't go back because there's snowfall. I mean, it's just, those are the things that go along with it. So you need a socialistic society to support a fighting force, you know, it's, it's just it's just like in risk where you know when you take over a country, you have to leave one guy behind. Right? Yeah, absolutely, exactly yeah. the same yeah, absolutely. thing. Absolutely, yeah. otherwise, yeah. And, and, if, and if you've read Clash of Kings, especially at the end of that book, you know exactly what Brian's talking about—the importance of that. Uh, <laughs> but but yeah, it, you know, and uh, well, it's like Eddie, Eddie Izzard says, you know, Papua New Guinea, build up and build up and build up, yep. and then you just conquer the fucking world. So. I almost last game of Risk I played, I almost fucking won by. Starting I starting in Australia and slowly building through all of Asia. <laughs> I, ha- I have Some, it. Somebody caught on before I could do it. But God damn, I was close. <laughs> I, I have it you on were, my phone. I he's, went. He's trying to pull an izzard. He's pulling I, an izzard. Strategy. I have it on my phone. I uh, console our crazy izzard. Whenever I, I even on <laughs> even on my phone when I start the game up, if I don't see that my starting position has been assigned to uh, Australasia, I restart the game. <laughs> and, yeah. and then once I start there, I win every single fucking time. Um, this this is good. Uh, in a sense that it's unexpected and it's an unexpected sort of loss yeah. of good reversal. You know, yeah. This practically looks like the Marine recruiting commercial. Like <laughs> it does. It really does. It yeah. just doesn't have the same ending. The, the old ones, not the ones where <laughs> yeah. a fucking lightning bolt on top of a volcano and then there's a hawk and he yeah. shatters yeah. The out of the earth. and all that. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, there was, there literally was a Marine Marine Corps recruiting commercial was just like this. Right. Oh, till there. No. And then you're like, Oh, that dramatically is what you call a reversal. Yeah. What will they do now? I got to say, you know, it's um, we've talked about in the past about it's hard to act smart. Um, but, you know, acting dumb is is a challenge as well because you can't just you think of stereotypical dumb, but but real dumb people. Um, 
they they have a certain way they process information. <laughs> it is hard. It is kind of hard. And I uh, give this. You kid, turn into Rain Man. You're like, yeah, I mean, now you you're playing. That's a good point. Impaired, you know. Yeah, as if, you play, to not if, smart. if you play mentally handicapped, that's actually a good comparison. A certain thing, but it's I I would I would venture that it's slightly easier to play something completely different, like someone who's autistic, mentally handicapped, than it is to play someone who's just dim, yeah. um, because there's it's the same processes as a normal goes through but it's it's just slower and it's just you just sort of see them sort of struggle and grapple and i got to give this kid credit i think he kind of does it well here because because the thing is you know much like how anybody who's crazy genuinely crazy doesn't think they're crazy anybody who's stupid doesn't doesn't really think they're stupid they consider themselves no smart or smart enough so it's very much like playing an impediment like you know if you were to play drunk when people play drunk poorly they're they're indicating that they're drunk. If, yeah, you are, right. if you're actually drunk, you're trying your hardest to not be drunk or to <laughs> right. not look drunk. <laughs> yeah. So when you're, act, you know, when you're acting that impediment, you have to be somebody who is trying to act sober and failing. That's how you act drunk. <laughs> well, the, the famous story yeah. of that is Nick Cage for leaving Las Vegas. He actually went to a Vegas hotel room uh, before filming. He bought uh, a slightly lethal amount of alcohol, <laughs> and he filmed himself getting drunk over the course of the night. And then he just to he, see what that looks like. Just to see what he did, okay. like just in various stages of like, and he would narrate like, okay, I've had so many shots, so many beers, I'm feeling this way. And then by the end of the night, he was just sloppy, throwing up, passing out, like trash hotel room. And so informed that I think the gold standard for playing stupid is Fredo from the Godfather series, especially in Godfather Two. Hmm. Fredo, because Fredo has that thing. He's like, he's like, I can do things. I'm smart. I'm not dumb like everybody says. It's like, no, dude, you're, you're, you're <laughs> yeah. dumb. Yeah. You totally are. And you are, play yeah. dumb. What? But there's that that amount of denial of someone who's always thinking that. And look, I have a large family. I can't say all of them are smart, um, you know. And and but they always think they are smarter than yeah. they are, right? You know, the best, the best. And this is just a trick. It's not a full, you know. It's just an acting trick. But the best, uh, the best little tip I ever heard uh, about playing drunk is look at everything with your whole head, like. <laughs> don't move your eyes around. Oh just, my god, that's totally me. Totally me. That works. Just like you know, whatever you're looking, at, whatever you're looking at, you just have to move your whole head, swivel I, you your just whole have head. To do the owl. Thing I would here. say, yeah. I would say, just square your shoulders up at whatever you're looking yeah. at. So you're here, just like you know. Yeah, you just like, but you rotate. You know, it's like your tracking is all off. You know, you, you twisted the torso. You can't like triangulate on anything, so you have to like swivel. One of my favorite YouTube channels is the uh, the Drunk Chef. Where this chick gets insanely drunk and then she cooks. Somebody posted that in their cool video thread. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah she um, when she makes tacos, it's pretty spectacular. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, you shouldn't be handling knives. But and speaking of drunk, here we go. Yeah. See, we we lead you on a path. Dark night of the listeners. soul. Yeah, this is where. Uh, and he's. <laughs> yeah. And once you know it's raining, just to add a little extra. <laughs> and little in case you didn't it. know about it, you know, when it comes to his uniform, he doesn't give a fuck now. Everything's just unbuttoned like the second he's like me when i was in 10th grade the second he's <laughs> off duty everything just yeah. gets unbuttoned Screw this ties come off fucking did you have to wear a uniform in high school oh yeah once a week oh yeah once a week. oh once a week once oh, a week you well, lucky well not every fucking no i didn't go to catholic i had I, I to wear a uniform every your day. rtc uniform every day no no no. my catholic school uniform See, every day. i didn't i only went to catholic school in third grade and i've never been catholic but um but no RT, was I, rtc I yeah i know right RTC once a week, yeah, and it was very. It would either be class B or class A, or even you know short sleeve, no tie, and then you know, uh, and then yeah. So I wore that. I wore that every day. Yeah, when I, when I was in RTC in college, we had to wear our our blues, like the office uniform, all the time, every day, and everybody was always like, "Yeah, you nobody wears these. You wear you wear BDUs. You wear the camo." That's day to day. In, in college. I got to wear BDUs once a week, and. Not to brag or boast, but I got ass. Uh, <laughs> so so yep. um, that, 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 that worked uh, at the time. 
So uh, we we uh, were talking about other things when um, Kevin Bacon's character pulled a pulled a bit of a bouliosi on uh, on him, and it's like, here's a little thing you didn't think about, did you? Like, <laughs> wasn't even in, in the, the room. room. Like, you know, just caught him flat footed, like. Ooh. And she has a great moment. It's such a tiny thing, but like she's making coffee and he says that and she just drops the coffee filter, just defeated. And she's just like, oh, fuck. Because, you know, she's genuinely, she holds herself to a high standard. She's genuinely disappointed in herself and she knows that's where her inexperience is. And, and then he's like, oh, okay, you should drink if you think we could still win. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yep. So this is, uh, this is absolutely your dark night of the soul. One thing, one moment. thing. Rob Reiner does really there's, there's well. Nothing, you know, all the options are gone. There's nothing left. Go ahead. One thing Rob Reiner does really well is um, uh, um, he he uh, colors and layers. You know what I mean? There's never there's never sort of like any sort of dominant color palette. You sort of see everything there, but he's, you know, you, I mean, it's it's just you get a lot of he's and especially in the reverse shot of the room, not here, but in the reverse shot of the room, you see like a lot of just it, everything's just well lit, but nothing's overpowered. Everything's just he's, he's very evenly. You know, he put he he composes his shots very evenly, and nothing's. It's not fancy, but it's just very clear. You know, I agree. Things, you know, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, where you kind of see Aaron Sorkin writing as hard as he can at you, you know, behind the scenes. On the other hand, Rob Reiner is a really invisible director. You mm-hmm. don't feel anybody behind this, behind the curtain of this, going, "Look at me, direct. Look at yeah. my color palettes, and look at the blocking. yeah." This this would have you know. This wouldn't have been a good Fincher project, right? Because Fincher would be like, "What about me, David Fincher, your friend? Remember, I do I do artistic shooting." Um, there is a remember, I'm very talented. Yes, don't forget. And uh, Scorsese a couple times in a couple movies oh, yeah. has been like, "No, dude, you've got the job already. Yeah. Just calm down." You're a Scorsese. We get it. Yeah, you already are Scorsese. Um, which is why you know we talked about this in the Harry Potter movies. Chris Columbus, if you want to do a story about kids getting you know dealing with their new stepmom, Chris Columbus is absolutely your guy because yeah. he's you know he can get the shots and he can get the performances, but he's not the guy to do the Harry Potter movie. <laughs> That's a different kind of you know skill. So Reiner is you know Reiner can do you know Reiner isn't he's not a big blockbustery guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean what you know name a big epic blockbuster that Rob Reiner's done. I mean, he does, right. you know, he does, uh, you know, comedies and dramas. Princess Bride. <laughs> you know, he does Princess Bride is probably about the most epic movie. Yeah, that's a, th- th- those actually have set pieces as opposed yeah. to, you know, North. You know, but you think about, you know, his real winners is like, uh, you know, When Harry Met Sally, which is, uh, that's actually, he's in that. He's not, you didn't direct that. That's Nor that's Nor Ephraim. Nor Ephraim. Right. No, 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 he, yeah. no, he, she wrote, no, no, she wrote it, but he directed it. He directed it. She, read, yeah. she directed, he, he directed Sleepless he, in Seattle exactly. and all that, but yeah, so Harry Met Sally and, you know, this is Spinal Tap and, you know, he's good with you know putting the camera where the camera needs to go mm-hmm. and getting the performances and and staying out of the way otherwise he reminds me a lot of clint eastwood as a director in the sense that yeah. he's very workmanlike and very i was gonna know. say uh, ron howard actually because i think ron <laughs> howard is very much the same way yeah, yeah but ron, ron howard is has become epic he's you know, yeah I, yeah my argument but he our, had some missteps i mean willow is not exactly the greatest epic movie of all time yeah backdraft he was kind of like okay he's kind of getting it then apollo 13 he kind of got yeah. it yeah i um, my, my criticism of ron howard for a long time it's gotten it's gotten a lot better but for a long time ron howard was very TV. And and by that I mean he would set up his establishing shop, but once people started talking, he was on MCUs and OTS is the He's entire back and time. Yeah. It it got over over two shot. Yeah, it got <laughs> a lot better. like uh, Chris Nolan in a lot of ways. I, um I mean Chris Nolan's not as bad as I think you're saying, but Chris Nolan is not a very imaginative director when it comes but Chris, to Chris Nolan, angles. But Chris Nolan will go handheld on specific shots. Chris Nolan will like he'll actually do shit. You watch Memento and like Chris Nolan like actually has 
an eye and sort of and not only the setup but the way he arranges his shots whereas ron howard it, it almost felt like i was watching a multicam being live switched um <laughs> and uh yeah. and i so i mean it got better i would say after um uh the russell crowe beautiful mind i think it got better mm. after that but for for most of the 90s even far and away which was like would you include a, a apollo 13 in that because i wouldn't they're in a Personally. pod well there's stuff it's, that happens on earth too no i get that exactly <laughs> they're yeah they're in a room yeah a big room yeah. The room's big, and then it's just you know. I guess what I'm saying is like, think look at Far and Away specifically. Um, Never seen it so Far and Away. Yeah. There that is, was his there, first really epic, epic, epic movie. Epic, Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, and that movie should have. It gets a little bit better at the end with the Oklahoma land race, but if you watch it, everything's just like wait. It always feels like the world is bigger than what you're seeing. You know what I mean? And like you get a real sense of that. Whereas Inception, you get the scale of that world when they're in the dream and the world is folding in on itself, like you, you know, even Batman, same thing. You're even when you're in the subways, you get a sense of scale of this place. Whereas, uh, you know, early Ron Howard always felt very kind of claustrophobic to me. But anyway, this scene is kind of worth talking about. <laughs> Go on. Well, no, but I mean, I'm just, it's I'm a little, it's, the floor. it's, it's, you're always on to me. You're always on thin ice when you start like literally talking about motivations, you know, yeah. that's yeah. always risky. That's always a little risky. And so, and in this scene, we're talking, you know, Tom Cruise is asking Kevin Pollack, do you, do you think my dad would have been able to do this? And Kevin Pollack would say, no, not really. <laughs> but the question is, would you? Can you? Can, can you? you be better than your father? Can it you needs to be said. Case? It needs to happen. It's a little inartful. Um, it, it, well, it, it's a moment that needs to exist, but whether or not you give, uh, you give voice to it, whether or not you put it in the dialogue, and then by putting it in the dialogue, how on the nose you make that dialogue is, is right. how you walk that line. They're doing a hell of a big rain setup here. <laughs> yeah. They're doing the whole street. I wonder if they've got a moving truck to do this. Well, they wouldn't get the dialogue. That way they'd have to ADR at all. Well, if you have to, with doing rain, you have to ADR anyway. Yeah, true. So it's like, I wonder, it's like, do they literally like rain, 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 rain shower that whole street? That was a long shot. See, this is where Ryder's a good director. You have to go, wait a minute, how do you do that? <laughs> I would have had a big truck throwing rain over the camera you know the whole time but uh. well yeah because the, the trick to make it work is to add, always have multiple layers so you can't actually have you know you can't actually drop rain across the entire street you just right. the machine just doesn't have exist to do that foreground you do it in, right in front of the camera and then over the actors and, and that's it <laughs> that's, there's a good little moment there it's so that's kind of a sorkin joke sit down both of you good, good. <laughs> <laughs> and he throws in his nicholson impression here which i think is is pretty it's it's not bad, and it's a nice little moment to to toss it in there. Which wasn't scripted, according to no. IMDb. Which I totally believe. I totally believe that. I totally believe that he, Tom Cruise, has like a very distinct sense of humor, and I think you, and I think I'm, I want to see him play it more. He actually has good comedic instincts in a, in a weird way. And his um, performance in Tropic Thunder is great. Great, and yeah. uh, you know I'm yeah. actually oh, I'm Tropic actually, Thunder is amazing. Yeah. If they, if they do go ahead with the spinoff of that Len Wiseman movie, I'm I would, I would pay money to see that. I will stand in line I, to see I that. Will, I will see that movie because I, I I bought it. Like I'm I'm along for the ride on that. It's you know so great. It's like wow, look at him. He's not being Tom Cruise. You I know, still he's being I somebody still, else. I still stand by Jerry Maguire because I think he plays a very specific kind of neurotic and under duress. Uh, sequence there, the sequence when he's trying trying to get his all the you know to keep all of his clients. I I love that sequence, and I think he's I think he's got great timing. Yeah. Oh, ding! <laughs> what what what? <laughs> it's like, thank thank you, Rob Reiner, for not literally putting a light bulb going on over his head. <laughs> Although he did open the closet door and turn on the light. So what I do love about it though is that that's not the 
indisputable proof that cements his case. All no, it, yeah, it's all it is extra is that thing, yeah. it's just a tiny chink of the armor for him to get like a toehold in and sort of muscle his way into getting a confession. Les Grossman, by the way, is Les Tom, Grossman, not Tom Les, Cruise's character. Les Tom. Wiseman is an actual person. I yes, think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Les Grossman. Oh my God! It's yeah. I enjoy Tropic Thunder a lot, but I, just the Les Grossman character is amazing. is amazing. And then his, he did that appearance. If you look on YouTube, I'm sure you'll find it. He did an appearance at the movie awards movie, or whatever. Movie awards, yeah. Just just killed it. <laughs> just crushed it. It was like, my God, that guy is so talented. We only see him do like that one thing that he does. And he, the thing is, he, like, he has such like a, he, you know, like I said, his comedic instincts are so good, yet he has like zero sense of humor about his, his, his uh, you know, religion. And like, he can't, like, he can't. He doesn't see the irony there. He has such a good irony detector and everything else. He can't uh, wrap his head around this. This is interesting. Uh, William Goldman apparently did a uncredited rewrite of of this movie on <gasps> on a movie. Like, holy no way! way. Yeah, no, no. But but here's the interesting part. Aaron Sorkin was so impressed by Goldman's new dialogue as well as the changes that tighten the story that he rewrote and republished the play to incorporate the changes. That's so th- awesome. There's a comparison that? that is worth checking out, is the pre-Goldman, post-Goldman, if you Yeah, read the stage play versus this. I yeah. will talk to my friend Mikey about that. That's interesting. Goldman's the man, yeah. That, that could have been where we lost the love scene, because yeah. Goldman's kind of... <laughs> Coming like, no, it's a fucking yeah, trial yeah. movie. Fuck you, your fucking love scene. That's probably yeah. how Goldman would say it. He seemed to say he's, he's still trying to live down that bicycle montage from Butch Cassidy. I hated that scene. <laughs> I didn't want it in there. Roy Hill was insistent on it. Yeah, speaking of Clint Eastwood, uh, Goldman has some great things to say about Clint Eastwood and uh, which oh, line yeah. did I tell. I just, um, I would, I would love to see Clint Eastwood do what he does the way it's been described. Yeah, because it's yeah. like it's, it seems impossible. It seems no like drama on time, under budget, relax. He comes in, he gets, <laughs> yeah, he comes in weeks ahead of schedule and millions under budget, on and his everybody's movie. chill and happy, and yeah. like his he'll op- do like one or two takes of everything, and he doesn't rehearse, and he doesn't even say action. It's like you, I just, really would love to see the process. He says five things to Gene Hackman, and Gene Hackman just does it. Yeah, and you know he literally says he'll, he'll they, according to Goldman, he'll he'll. He'll literally say, "We're just this is just a rehearsal," and then he'll have yeah, rolled on it and camera. say, "We did it, we got it." But yeah, not in that. a Robert Rodriguez way, where he's like literally trying to scrape pennies, but yeah. like literally just just because he has just a, to relax. a just, method of his madness, know. yeah. And apparently, for one one person who really objected to that was uh, Kevin Costner, because Kevin Costner really? had just come off of doing um, yeah, Kevin you know, his own movies, you know, yeah. directing his own movies, and and then they did a Perfect World, where right, yeah. you know, uh, where Costner is the lead, you know, and Eastwood's in it, but uh, Eastwood's directing, and and Costner had to do this like scene where he's like, I'm going to run and I'm going to get these clothes off a clothesline, and he did it, and and he said, Great, we're moving on, and and Costner said, No, 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 I'm just getting going. Let me just. And he was like, "No, we we got it. That's that's, that's, that's all you it, needed yeah. to do." And and, and 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 Costner just couldn't. No, I just I'm no. We have to do it again. And he was <laughs> like, "No, we're moving on. We're done. Dude, believe me, it's fine." And uh, and they really butted heads. And 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 uh, the quote was uh, supposedly that uh, Costner said, "You can't do this to me." And Eastwood said, "Eastwood said, I'm one of the few people in Hollywood that can." <laughs> <laughs> we're what moving on. What the fuck on. are you gonna do? <laughs> I would love to see David Fincher shadow Clint Eastwood for a day on set and just to watch David Fincher vibrate <laughs> and until vice he versa. Yeah. yeah. That would be a head exploder for both of them. Clint Eastwood guys. would die by the time Fincher's done on a, on a take. Like, yeah. he just, you know. And, you know, they both make watchable movies. So well, yeah, it's, very, there, there are many ways yeah. to do the job, but it's, it's interesting how many ways there and are. And I'm, I'm curious to see how Eastwood did that on Gran Torino, where it was a largely new cast of younger. Uh, Korean actors, you know, just uh, so I'm curious about that. Well, it's it's they say you know they say casting a movie is over fifty percent of the Absolutely. job. So if you cast the movie right, you're over fifty percent of the way there. And I mean, really, I've, I've experienced this. If you cast 
if you put the right person in the right role, you the, the work you have to do as a director is minuscule versus right. whether if you put the wrong person in that role, you're you're fighting that uphill battle for the right. rest of the production. Those are the old Air Force uniforms. The Air, the Air Force uniforms changed around '95. Yeah, and they. To, I like the old about ones on the, a lot uh, on the. I prefer on the, the old on ones. The, on the ground crew guys there yeah. who just walked yeah, in. The, yeah, the guys in blue. Uh, the those actually look like military uniforms. The yeah. the more recent ones look like business suits. Yeah, like straight up business suits. And they, 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 they look, look like, like stewardesses. And they, like, they look hmm, like a. Yeah, like a, a country club blazer kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, like congratulations like you go to the for winning the golf you tour. You, yeah, you go yeah. to a restaurant. You don't you didn't bring your suit jacket, so they give you the, their blazer. This is essentially like a Jedi battling the Sith. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this is this is the scene. This, this is the the whole movie is all is all a big machine, right. Just to present this scene. So you know, it's a, it's a bit of a high wire act because if this scene doesn't work out, mm-hmm. you know, it's like well, then what was Have that movie all Grand about? Have you seen Grand Yeah, I finally caught up with it. Dr. Submarine is saying that the answer to your question is that they didn't. Everyone in oh. that movie who wasn't Eastwood was awful, is what he's saying. Um, I haven't seen Grand I, 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 I disagree. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I mean, it's that you could tell many of them were not actors, but I didn't think they were awful. I thought the white kid was was probably the worst of them. Well, don't spoil it for me. Well, you know, when he beheads that one. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, with the, and then when Eastwood dies, it's oh, it's amazing. But, he turns into an entity of fear. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, he was reborn as a, as a, yeah, as, as a lich. As, as, as Tom Cruise. As, 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 um, so going back to what we were talking about earlier, we have uh, we have Kathy, we have Tom Cruise laying out all these minuscule, unimportant details yeah. again. But and this, he really goes a long way around. Yeah. It's like concentric circles. The circles get bigger of how long it takes. Well, him to he, arrive he, at he keeps point. he keeps like you know right to the point where the judge has to rein him back in. But he's gonna, he's like, oh my, I'm gonna I'm gonna lay as many of these breadcrumbs as I can. And that's a, that's another great. Uh, aspect structurally to a courtroom drama and to courtrooms in general is because you have this this quality of you can do this f- as long as you can get away with it which depends upon e- the the other attorney mm-hmm. and how often they're going to call objection yeah. on you and the temperament of the judge who is going to either sustain or overturn it yeah and so it's like how much can you get away on this particular day with you know the other guy in the other corner and the and the referee how much are they going to let you get away with doing this with a different judge you could say what the hell are you doing stop don't Screw that. And he right, wouldn't right. have the chance to lay that many breadcrumbs. Right. So this is uh, this is a beautiful scene because we as the audience don't know either. We've right. seen we've seen Cruz have the light bulb go on over his mm-hmm. head, but he hasn't told us what exactly it is that he realized. So, you know, we are you know, it's happening with us in the audience as well. We're coming to the point of like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Where is this go- where, where are you going right, with this? Right, yeah. <laughs> and then when he brings it home, we're like, "Oh, and then we don't we we get we get the rug yanked out from under us just as just as Jester does, which is you know that's some that's saying that, something that's some good storytelling and some good uh, you know it's good directing but inevitable yeah he's yeah he's getting a little cruisy here he's he's, <laughs> he's, uh, he's borderline cruise he's pushing, Zero. He's pushing nobody he's pushing the cruise button I'm a very physical actor he is he's he's, uh, he's getting a little and then I, it works down. it works in the context of a trial attorney. Um, right. But you know, acting with your hands and moving your hand as you speak, it works. And it's you get, theatrical, but in that context, you're being. Theatrical. But you can also tell he does the debate school thing, where like he doesn't point. You know, he just sort of like he, he finds has, another motion. He finds a weather motion instead yeah. of pointing. Like he's you know because pointing is accusatory, and therefore that's what they tell you in like debate school. First up is you never want to point at a person or at a thing. You always that's why Bill Clinton did the thumb and the finger thing. Yeah. You know? all, if you if you watch all politicians, kind of have their own little variation trademark. on it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the thumb on the on the fist is kind of a, a yeah. common one. Bob Dole with his pen 
his pencil. Yeah. Aw. Which there, there was a reason for that. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, uh, that's his thing. It's because no, it's because no, he, he was his, shot his, in the spine. Yes, I'm aware of it. But he also made that his thing. That he's like, yeah. you know, I've got. Well, his, yeah, his arm. It's like arm doesn't F- work. FDR like to sit in the back of a car, so we wouldn't know he had a wheelchair. So <laughs> his arm doesn't work anymore because because uh, of a war injury, and so he holds the pen in his right. Because normally you shake uh, shake hands with your right arm. As a politician, of course, you have to shake a lot of hands throughout the day. So he, he always keeps it in there. He, he kept the pen in his right hand, so kind of as a little cue, like, okay, don't. I would shake your hand, but I have this pen. I have such a great smile from uh, such a great smile from uh, Nicholson there, and it just it it easily turns into a barely containable rage. Yeah, the great thing about Nicholson is is you know he his character is that he he doesn't feel like he's in any danger. He's just like, oh god, I have to go through this thing. But come on, unflappable. Come on, I just hope I make my six o'clock flight. Yeah, this is just this is annoying, and I you know so so that's that's how they that's how they get him. Is it's it's beautiful work. Yeah, this is I think my favorite Nicholson role outside of um, like Shining and The Departed. Like I, I, I th- those three for me are like uh, I have a soft spot for Five Easy Pieces, but um, uh, you know I, I think he's at as far as like Nicholson has like a very specific actory thing he does, and he's able to weaponize it in yeah. certain roles to great effect, mm-hmm. like The Shining, where he can just literally lose his goddamn mind. The Departed, where he can literally yeah, lose his goddamn great. mind. I haven't seen it in a while, but I really liked at the time. I should revisit it, but I really liked as good as it gets. I thought was, yeah. I thought was a good different one. And in terms of endearment, also um, he, he has this quality know, of of anger or of insanity, just kind of under the surface. That if you piss him off in the wrong way, he's just yeah. going to right. to unleash on. But you. then there are, there are movies where it's like, oh, what a great Jack Nicholson performance that I just kind of went, yeah, like, like things like like, like, the, like the promise, you know. I did. I uh, the pledge. You mean the pledge? Thank yeah, you. I I didn't buy. I didn't like it in the pledge. I didn't. I I'm I'm in the camp of not liking his Joker. Um, I'm okay with his Joker just because you know it's it was a different era and you know no one gave a shit about Batman so so at least the Joker was someone interesting in that movie because Batman wasn't so and the whole point was the, the movie was about the Joker it wasn't about Batman well, we had a discussion last night Batman yeah. himself is not interesting it's his rogues exactly. gallery and, that, and, that and, are always yeah. fascinating and clearly clearly uh, you know uh, Burton knew that yeah. <laughs> and said this movie is actually about the Joker he's the one who has a character arc so you know, whether he chose it or not so so yes I mean Nicholson. Most of the time, coasts on, I'm Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. you know me, I just came here to do the Nicholson thing. Um, although he's, he's by by all eyewitness accounts, he's always very engaged in the process. I mean, it's not like he's like jaded, like, yeah, I have another fucking movie, you know, I, I need another million dollars. He's, he's not like Brando was at the end, where he's like, okay, yeah, come yeah, in just, and be Brando yeah. and look at the key he, card. He, and, he's engaged in the process yeah. and he enjoys it. Uh, you know, he likes doing it. Um, but there are times when it's like, okay, well, we've kind of seen this. So the, when he goes outside that a little bit, and The Departed is the most recent one that I can think of, mm-hmm. where he, you know, that was that was like, wow, that's... You can still see Nicholson, but but it's definitely not the same old thing that we've seen right. a lot of in that movie. It's really worth watching. So once again, here Cruz is is doing this. Okay, where is he going with this? And what is he doing exactly? And and the great part about this, this is a bluff. You know, that's the yeah. punchline at the end. It's like he's just he's, this is all smoke and mirrors. This thing. Like, yeah, this whole trail of breadcrumbs is is a giant red herring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. It never matters like the airmen they're just there for show yeah it's like it's like a bluff it's like bluff bet you know 
Yeah. It's like, I'm it's a, call these people and they're going to do absolutely nothing, sir. It's a misdirect. It's literally a misdirect where he's he's well, he's getting he's getting antsy about just check the tower logs. What is this bullshit? He's like, oh, we'll get to that. By the way, yeah, you know that's a, one more question, sir, if I may. Just one thing. Just, just one more thing. I just one thing I want to ask him. So it's sort of like he's got him thinking about what's he got up his sleeve with the flight. Well, it goes back to what we were talking about before. It's his whole. <laughs> his whole routine right here is just to get them to to break to crack the 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 military um um sheen and so that's that's what the whole the whole gambit is yeah so the i i remember talking to someone at the time who thought that this was really badly written and bad drama because it's like what's the big deal he says beforehand he's gonna do it and then he does it i mean there was no suspense to that whatsoever yeah <laughs> <laughs> and i was like <laughs> I guess you can see it that way, but the, there's a difference between having a plan and having the plan work. I mean, right. there is, there's, that was his plan. The, the, the dramatic question is whether or not it's going to work. <laughs> yeah. That's how drama works. And, and there's, there's, a, there's, the big, uh, there's the big line that sort of encapsulates all of uh, uh, Jesp's character, which is, we follow orders where people die. It's that simple. Like, and that's the world is black and white, and that's, that is it. Yeah. And you can tell he gets a sense of pride and ego out of that, but you, I mean, he truly, truly believes it, and that's always the best villains, as they say, is the ones who actually believe what they're doing is right. Yeah. But it comes right down to it where he's, he's, he's gotten Nicholson to testify to two opposite things, and here he's nailing them together. Like, okay, so you said, yeah, I gave the order, said he wouldn't be touched, but yet why was he in danger to begin with? Because everybody always follows your orders. Yeah. Yeah. So you said, don't touch him. Why would he be in danger? So, so it's literally just like, I, you know, I've caught you in this contradiction. And, and fortunately, Nicholson, you know, Nicholson's character, like, he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> God damn, which way do I go with this? And then he's like, now he's, now he's, now, now he's trying to tap dance. He's like, well, 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 yeah. Yeah. So this is, this is where it's going to make or break. And now we're headed into the trope of villainous breakdown. Where the villain has a he defeats himself. <laughs> villainous breakdown. Yeah, that's a villainous yeah. breakdown. I like it. I love their third album. <laughs> I don't know. They're, they're a little too a little too. Pop. I was into them before. A little too poppy they, for me. I think they sold out by villainous breakdown by the by the third album. Well, they yeah. they they actually they, they switched producers for that that album. So that's yeah. Very, they were they, they, they went uh, they went with Nirvana's old producer, which it was just such yeah, such t- a weird thing for classical so chalice group. But suddenly the the whole mixing was was so off. I love the idea that villainous breakdown is just this like cello quartet, <laughs> it's, cello it's, quartet. It's a power <laughs> troupe of Yo Yo Ma and the dude who uses crutches. Um, <laughs> I wish I, yeah. so plus I wish I, plus a ballet dancer. A ballet it's really it's a kind of a super group. Doing break thing. dancing. It's oh, so we weird. Go. You want you the can. truth. You how can't handle times, that. There's, how you many times? I deride your truth handling abilities. How many times was that parodied? And and, and still is. It's amazing that that that, yeah, that is still a thing. You know that to this day is still people know that. Hell, people probably don't even know where it comes from. Yeah, you know, half yeah. the time it's like it's hard to believe that everyone who like knows that trope has seen a few good men. It seems hard to believe. You know? Back when the MTV Movie Awards were original and funny, um, they did this thing one year where. For all the nominated movies, they had the the cast of the Brady Bunch reenact scenes, uh, but like make them Bradyized. And so the one where awesome. Florence Henderson is in the Jessup role, and, oh. <laughs> and and Chris and Chris it. and Chris Knight is uh, uh, interrogating her, and it's over. What was it over? It was over uh, somebody's like, uh, Jan's broken nose or something like that, or um, who threw the football? Who threw the broke, football? Yeah. Marsh's nose. Marsh's nose. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, I know that. <laughs> <laughs> if you know your tray trivia, folks, I just dropped a. Uh, I just dropped a. Chance nose is never broken. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
So in any event, uh, so the, yeah, so she and she even says like, "You're goddamn." I mean, they do the whole thing and <laughs> like Florence Henderson point. just sells it. You, you can probably Henderson find them saying, on YouTube. Goddamn, that's what you want. There's another one like where like uh, Florence Henderson and the guy who she actually made out with in real life that played her son. They actually do like it's a love Barry. scene. Barry, yeah, like they actually like make out in one for some movie. Yeah. Yeah, oh! Hey, the movie just climaxed right, yeah, there. right there without even an explosion or nothing. And everybody's all like, <laughs> literally gulping. I know. <laughs> everybody's all like, and, and Tom Cruise's reaction is great. He's, yeah. He has this reaction fuck of like, fuck, I can't fuck. fucking believe that works. Yeah. Holy it's, shit! It's, it's the Steve. It's the Steve Zahn. The, yeah, there's no way that should have worked. It's it's the uh, oh shit! I have a winning lottery ticket in my hand. What do I do? What do I do? Yeah. Uh, wow. uh, um, I'm, I should walk over here. Yeah. And even even like Kevin Bacon's like, oh god damn, oh, Jack. I, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's game. Uh, yeah. That's right. Okay, everybody. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Right. Uh, kids out. Daddy and mommy need to speak for a minute. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's a, uh, Dr. Submarine also just links to, uh, you can't handle the parody page on TV tropes, oh, gee, which has course. a list of, oh. all of the uses of, yeah, of I'm this, sure it's uh, voluminous. Yeah. I love how TV tropes has become this pocket dimension of, 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 just of data. everything. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Mary Poppins bag. Now, as we said at the beginning, it's like, Here's what's so great about, you know, Sorkin in general and how he tends to, you know, talk about these big themes and these big real world issues. It's like Nicholson's not wrong. No. You know, it's not. He's that, not right, he's, but he's not. Yeah. He's not wrong. He's, he's chosen a direction, uh, you know, of a, you know, through a very gray zone. Yep. And uh, well, until know. he goes to the point, where I'm going to rip the eyes yeah. out of your skull and piss <laughs> in here. <laughs> yeah. That's probably against the law. I'm pretty sure that exceeds his orders. Quick so. uniform thing. Those medals, the way they're held in, it's they're not individually pinned. No, they're not. They slide onto a, a metal bar. rack and you can buy them. Like he's got, I think, seven rows. You can buy them in brackets of two or three or seven, and it's all one piece that's pinned in, probably in like four different ways. So that's why it looks like they pop off, but then they sort of stay on. Is that they're all on tracks? So, but Nicholson makes a good point, and it's a point that you know, it's like, yeah, out there somewhere is. Apparently, they don't actually call themselves SEAL Team 6. It's like Area 51. It's like, we call it that and whatever right, it's actually right. called. Yeah. But there's still Team 6. There are guys who will fly in another country and drop down in a helicopter and shoot some motherfucker. And cutthroats, yeah. <laughs> you know, and cut throats and sick dogs on them and bring their DNA back. And, <laughs> and then breed, uh, breed the next SEAL Team 6. <laughs> and then throw them in the ocean. And, and we kind of go... Good. I'm good. I'm, That's yeah. good. Right. I'm glad. I like that they're uh, dogs with razor teeth. That. Yeah, it wasn't me. Yeah. Uh, I, I felt so – the most patriotic I felt in a long time was when I found out that the dogs that they used to kill bin Laden or to, to track his scent had razor – like tooth implants, <laughs> like that they had these metal things over their teeth to actually pierce through armor. I'm like, God damn, I love my country. There, there's a, there's <laughs> like, an article. Did you read the New Yorker article? Western civilization. The New Yorker article this month has a big uh, article about uh, about the the actual operation. And yeah, they, they had one dog with them, and uh, then the president when the president met the met the guys who did the operation, they and they briefed him on debriefed him on what it was. Um, they mentioned that they brought a dog, and he was like, "You have a dog." I'd like to meet that dog. And they, <laughs> and they, met, he, they took him in the other room where the dog was, but they kept the dog muzzled to meet the president. <laughs> Fuck <Jesus>. yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, because it's a dog, so it probably doesn't like black people, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure it's trained to dislike the darker ones. So. Now, this is important, and this is like, I love the fact that it's not just, yay, we're free. No, you're free, but you you still did a yeah. fucked up thing, and right. you still are accountable yeah. for that. And, and you're, you're going to get dishonorably And the thing that matters most to you, you just lost. That's the thing that you, yeah. the, the whole reason you went to trial so you wouldn't lose that thing, you just lost you that just thing. You just lost it. We won. 
It's 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 a good ending. Yeah. And and this, the the personal stakes for the two Marines, the 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 greatest stakes for them all along, which has been to be the best Marine possible, has now been taken away. They've lost that personal battle because they're going to yeah. be dishonorably. They discharged. didn't they didn't right. take the plea because that would mean being dishonorably discharged. Yeah, they, you know, it's like they didn't take the six month out. You know, it's like. Uh, but, but but no, you know, we followed order. We didn't do anything wrong. We want to prove that in court. And it's like, okay, so you proved in court that you didn't do anything wrong, and you're still dishonorably discharged. So that's how that goes. And then this one guy again, he's so he's so dim. He's like he, he can't grasp it. He's like, wait, so we'd go back to our post. Explain and it. Explain it to me. And they're like, oh. yeah. So oh, hmm. It's maybe we should talk to your aunt. Maybe your aunt can explain it to you. I don't know. And going back to what we were talking about before, the, the catch-22 of if somebody gives you a, a order you shouldn't follow, mm-hmm. do you follow it or not? Yeah. Because yeah. these guys were damned if they did and damned if they damned didn't. If they didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the military. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I, that seems like such a hard... You know, and of course, you know, you make that decision a hundred times a day. It's yeah. like, you know, I will technically, I should really do this, but should I do that? Um, you know, it's got to be a weird no, way. So here's the here's the line that's like, ooh, mm. and I don't know if like it's a little, maybe because it's also it's it's meant to be kind of a let me just twing your heartstring just a little. It, bit It's there. a very like upbeat note. And I mean, they almost—I mean—they get out right after this, you know. And the attention, officer yeah. on deck. At least, yeah, at least they, yeah, at least they bug out right after. Yeah, that. it's ex- and that's why I, I tolerate it. Like, honestly, <laughs> when I'm watching the movie at home, by this point, I'm usually all right. Time to have piss, you know. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's—I—I I mean, it's a great moment on the page. I—I—I I, I wish. Yeah, I wish I could put it, my finger on why it's. I think not it, quite I coming think across. It reads very well. I, I think it just goes back to the fact that you would never do that in the real situation. I right. Mean, it, that character would never do that in that situation, and you and on some level you feel that. I know. Yeah. I, I I wouldn't say that. I just think it's more like I don't. It feels like the shading of it is wrong. It's like because he seems like he's he's almost like getting emotional about it. When I think it should be, it, I would have seen it. He should have stayed cold. Like okay, I acknowledge that you are worthy of my respect, but I'm not like we're brothers, man. We're you know he's playing it like it's, there's an emotion to it. Where that, I, I that think he wouldn't have. It should be more of a cold like. All right, you know you did. It's, you know, it's, honestly, a, it's, a, it's something that they tell you a lot in the, in, in the military is even if you don't respect the man, you have to respect, respect the, the rank. Exactly, respect the rank. Which, yeah. which they made it clear earlier that he didn't because right. he's like, you don't respect your own uniform. Why should I respect you? You know, you're just right. a navy puke and all that. If I may attempt to fix that moment, uh, yeah. if they had been outside and had a little bit of a dialogue exchange, and then maybe in the distance in the background there was like some uh, a color guard doing drills or something like that, and then in the distance you hear someone call attention. Then maybe he goes to attention there and then presents arms, like responding to like somebody else's order. But it's like a nice, subtle right. thing. You know, something like the fact that. that you don't Look salute inside, and he's clearly yeah, you don't inside. you don't salute inside. Yeah, and yeah. it's like you yeah you you come to attention when officers on deck when they walk in the room. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and, he, and he's walking out. It's... Otherwise, otherwise people would be at attention all goddamn day. You know. So. All right. So yeah. that's that's so it's, it's that, a little bit. It's a little bit of a stretch to have that moment. I, th- so. I think. Yeah. I think it goes. It comes back to the point of it's just like in that situation, and even more of on a technical. <laughs> Cameron level, Thor, David Bowie, nice. God, yeah, not David Bowie. Right. David uh, Bowie. More than an emotional sense. Yep. It's like for former the pure fish protocol of it. Drill. Former yeah. fish. Members cadets at Texas A&M. All right, guys. So that's uh, a few good men. I one of my personal favorites, uh, courtroom and military movies, personally. Yes. Um, and as as we talked about in the beginning, it. Um, you can you can feel and I it's it's one of these cases where I don't mind uh normally 
when I can see the writer or the director trying really hard behind the scenes, that bothers me on a very fundamental level because you're not supposed to see the guy behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. But when Sorkin does it, I'm totally fine with it just because Sorkin's awesome. But on the, you have that on the one hand. On, but on the other hand, you have Rob Reiner's amazing and amazing invisible uh, direction, mm-hmm. which um, does wonders. It's one of my favorites. Eddie. Again, yeah, I mean, you know, not this to, is not me to, doing the outro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not to be labor because our host is so MIA. Yeah, here we go. God knows what what's going on right now in his kidneys. Uh, no, I, what what can you say about? It? I mean, I I would, I don't know if I would just stop short of or actually go full money and say this is sort of a modern or new classic. I don't know if I'd go in there. I would, I would. You know, and uh, yeah, I would I would agree because I mean, it's, cla- it's, it's the definition there. of a classic is something that's going to be remembered past its time. Right, you're going to remember 50 years later. People and still we're, say we're you can't up, handle the truth. We're yeah. coming up, uh, you know, we're coming up. Oh my God, almost 20, 20 years, years. since wow. the movie came out. Um, and I and I think there's something to be said for that, and it, it still feels fresh and and vibrant and and uh, you know, it's the announcement of Aaron Sorkin as a screenwriting force, and it's a solid film in the filmography of all of these actors and, and, and Rob Reiner as well. And I just, it's highly enjoyable. It's one of those movies where it, it's, it's rare that like you can have this much enjoyment and feel good over a drama, which is essentially what this is. And I think this is, you know, sort of what we're lacking in terms of adult dramas that are, you know, movies for grownups. Um, consultant, consultant William, William Goldman. Goldman. Interesting. Go. They should have just had his face there. They just had like a photo of <laughs> yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, and yes, I, I think it holds up. It holds up extremely well, and I think it's it's going to kind of stand the test of time as it has so far. And and uh, you know, I I, I think uh, we're ready for more movies like this. I guess I don't know. I'd like to see more like it. So. I haven't seen the American President, which a lot of people say. Really? Is, yeah. I mean, wow. Just you know, again, I didn't know that. I didn't know I was supposed to like Sorkin because American President was the movie that kind of said, you know, you should do a TV show kind of like that. Yeah. And, okay, I guess I will. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't a movie like, oh, I need to get out and see that. It was just as another one of those fucking Michael Douglas romantic comedies. You know, no big deal. Um, so I haven't gone back and revisited it. Um, but I did, uh, and and Haskell Wexler right at the very yeah. end. Very nice. But um, another Sorkin movie that that this reminds me of. Um, is uh, is Charlie Wilson's War because mm-hmm. Charlie Wilson's War again is a very literate, very like you better pay attention or this movie's going to leave you in the dust. Examination of a real world thing that has a lot of different shadings of meaning that you might not recognize and 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 deals with it in a very even handed sort of isn't it weird that this is kind of how our society we built the society and this is what happens in it and this whole idea of remember when we were helping those brave freedom fighters in Afghanistan. Um, and it's a great movie, and it reminds me of this. And that was directed by, of course, Mike Nichols, who is right. another one of our right. amazing great directors who doesn't direct very much nowadays. And, and watching that movie, I was struck by how how he was able to just like get that story told without going, see me directing really good here. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. he just nailed exactly what he needed to nail. So, and you know, and, and Social Network worked as well, even though it's obviously a very different kind of director there. But I, I what I really like about Sorkin is that he. He's. I can't think of too many other writers who so consistently will present real issues as opposed to, oh, my God, there's a bomb in the subway. I mean, he, he's, he writes <laughs> stories about, like, real, real stuff that we all actually are dealing with in our lives. And he, he really makes you, like, presents really interesting viewpoints that makes you think about them. And, you know, that's that's what I wish we had more movies of or yeah. I wish they were more popular. More, when more movies that had some kind of idea at the center of them as opposed yeah. to G.I. Joe, which is – Look, robot suits that do something. <laughs> yeah, let's not bring those on the final mission. Yeah, no, yeah. of course not. No, no, Why would that be? Not. Why would that be? <laughs> what would we do that for? 
All right. This has been Down in Front. You can always find more episodes at downinfront.net. Subscribe to us on iTunes. and get a brand new episode every single week. Twitter.com slash Down in Front. Facebook Down in Front Show. Email us at downinfrontshow at gmail.com. Join the forum at downinfront.net slash forum. Involve yourself in the conversation. We've got a great community of people, and it's growing every day. Seriously. It's also the only place to find out when and where the live shows happen. Uh, they're always at downinfront.net slash live, but you have to visit the forum to find out when. Uh, we've got Matt Feta Veda, who does the show notes and chapter breaks on iTunes, Holden Hill Designs, and maintains the website. Uh, we have tvtropes.org, that we're, as we're always for anything that's ever happened in a movie twice. Uh, and we have, our, we have our chat room that points out our, our TV tropes for us that we do along with the show. And until next time, I'm Brad Infinifter. And Chase Stokes, I salute you, sir. Ah, and thank you very much for listening to Down in Front. Good night. Good night. We that should, was weird. We should probably. <laughs> that was really. Just, it's just, it's, even the ad libs he wrote for you. Just like the thing, <laughs> I, I, I did a one or two ad libs. It was that's myself. fantastic. But, uh, we should probably find out if he's alive. That's, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he literally yeah. transcribed that from his potentially deathbed. Yeah, so that <laughs> these we could be his last words. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the last will and testament. <laughs> of the last will and testament of T. Christie. I think if he was stop gonna, all, this is no, this is this is last. Uh, this is Teague's last will and testament. Stop audacity. File export to death drive. A file called AFTM. Mm. I'll I'll say that at his funeral Even to the very end he was thinking about the show (laughs) And remember (laughs) Save as Good night Good night Friendsinyourhead.com